good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night, whatever it is you're listening to. Um, welcome to the second episode of Battle Topics. I am your host, Roger Sierra. Man, you see he just stole your shit. Did you see that shit? <laughs> this is your host, Talon Williams. I am your host, Chip Hazard. Oh, I'm trying, man. Try to be nice and simple, you know, just not do a super hey. long intro, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, That's actually longer than the intro that Chip normally does. That's crazy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, welcome to the I, second episode. Uh, we are doing the top certified um, diamond rap slash hip hop albums. Uh, and to surprisingly, there's more uh, than I expected there to actually be. Yeah, I mean, when we did the uh, when we did the albums, I'm sorry, when we did the songs, it was only eight songs, you know. But now we're actually doing the actual albums. And for the ladies, for the, if you didn't listen to the last episode of Battle Topics, and you, this is your first edition of Battle Topics, you're lit. First of all, welcome. Second of all, a a diamond album is basically any record that is that has sold more than 10 million copies in the United States. That is when it re- receives its diamond certification uh, from the Recording Industry Association of America, or the RIAA. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to jump straight into this list. Um, yeah, Rod, you want to kick it off with the number 10? Um, yes, I do. But actually, I want to say before we start this, one thing that really shocked me is that Drake is actually not on this list, even though he has a lot of diamond songs. Right. Um which I find surprising, like, he sold, uh, we looked it up, he sold, he's had, like, the second most total album sales or something like that. Yeah, uh, he's second only behind the greatest hip-hop artist to uh, ever live in Eminem. <sighs> yes. <laughs> can you feel the tension, ladies and gentlemen? You can feel it with a knife. But, uh... Um, with a knife, there you go. Let's go... Into, uh, <laughs> let's go into number 10, um... And we're going to say number 10, uh, sort of with an asterisk on this list. Um, when we get to the asterisk or the one in question, we'll talk about that one. But number 10 um, right now on this list is uh, Nelly's Country Grammar. Um, it sold 10.05 million copies. Um, this was actually like when this when that album dropped back in the day, I was so seven or eight i was I in middle, i was in middle yeah, school I, I was in i was in elementary but i just remember the um the videos and like how insane they were but how much energy nelly brought and like nelly was a different flavor of rap at this point because at this point um it had just been we were just transitioning from the gangster rap to like that slow groove southern and that uh gritty new york like thug stuff was still happening around but nelly's like mid-south uh midwest sorry style was a blend of almost all of it in a right way and i really like that this album still like i can bump it any day like i put it on randomly here and there it's so good and like it it really came out of nowhere and i liked it when i was little it's so it, cr- it really did, uh, and I think I would say possibly everyone's I- introduction to to Nelly was country grammar. Uh, w- would you guys agree or disagree? Oh, oh no, I, sure. I, absolutely. Um, I remember the music video for it. It was just him, a whole bunch of cars, some old school like old school muscle cars, 
bunch of people dancing, bunch of people going crazy. It's almost like the hook. It's like it's like he he brought the whole hood out to say, "Yo, you gonna be in this video? Get the fuck over here!" Like we're gonna throw some barbecue on, go get some shit on the grill, have the kids playing, let's get some dogs over here. Like the whole video was like, "Oh, so shit." So that's what they do in Lou, you know? Like that's what they do in St. Louis, you know? Um, it's crazy because like when you thought of, especially even even nineteen in the nineteen nineties, when you hear it about any you know hip-hop artists coming out the midwest like really the only midwest artist that i remember even listening to was maybe bone thugs maybe i mean there was a few from a chicago few. um but yeah. yeah bone thugs was like that top one because they were that speed thug gangster rap kind of group um yeah but they had, rb flavor too yeah but but they had a whole lot of you know melody with the with their with with uh, a lot of what they did you know which bone thugs and harmony people tend to forget about the harmony part of bone thugs um but yeah and i mean and then of course twist has been around forever and a day you know too but nelly it was almost as if like when he came around it's almost like he put st louis in that midwest flow on the map at a time when hip-hop was kind of still trying to figure out like where it was going to go next you see what i'm saying oh yeah for, for sure uh this was also uh around the time that like eminem was getting hot and uh you know so i mean rap was rap was at this point changing and evolving um yeah i mean like i said like at, at this point we were transitioning from the the gangster rap era um i mean we had the, we still had the gritty new york but we had like nas coming out with some lyricism and stuff like that in the south obviously we had um outcast and ghetto boys and everything like that too then california yeah. you know still had the ice cube dre uh you know stuff like that so we were still getting like what we had and everything like that but then like out of nowhere we get sort of a mixed blend of like everything and then we get it from this guy that has like this weird like way of speaking that we haven't heard anywhere else like it's not doesn't have that houston like you know a little twang or a little slow down it doesn't have that atlanta you know little groove and everything like that doesn't have that new york just like anger and then california doesn't have that you know like you know thug gangsterism in it like you ain't gonna hear no ice cubes and stuff like that but like just the way he talks, the way he raps, his lyrics. Like, Melly's actually a really underrated lyricist sometimes because of, like, he became so, I I mean, obviously he got transitioned into the pop rap genre really quickly, but we yeah. had yeah. some songs with some actual lyrics back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Most um, definitely. You know, this album also came out right at the end of, I would say, the hype of hip-hop music, even though... Uh, they never had an album go like diamond or anything. They had plenty of platinum albums, but like for several years before this, no limit records, like they ran the hip hop industry. Yep. Uh, well, it was, then, I mean, well, well, hey, it was, it was, it was, it was between no limit and bad boy probably because bad boy was still making good music at the time yeah but bad boy didn't really kick off until about 2000 like around 2000 exactly like right after this so yeah they were right. they were coming into the flow right there but let's but but let us not forget about the 99 and the 2000 when cash money came on the scene as well around that same time i, I can't wait to do this so one of the episodes we have um for everybody listening is going to be no limit versus uh 
Cash Money Records, and I cannot wait to do because that's that's a real verse. We should get that versus now. Like yes, whoever it is, set it up. I don't. I'll go to Twitter uh, at Big uh, Birdman at Little Wayne at Juvie uh, at Manny Fresh and at Master P at uh, Mystical. Don't at Silk the Shocker. Um, at C murder. <laughs> oh, oh man! My, my, oh, beside he said, "Don't at." Look, Do no, at. listen, 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 listen. I, I, I mean no disrespect by the following statement, but there's only two rappers in the world that's worse than Silk the Shocker, and that's Ja Rule and Kevin Federline. But we're gonna continue. Uh, oh, I don't even know that that's true. <laughs> Kevin Federline is worse. Kevin Federline is worse. Ja Rule just, may not ooh. be, <laughs> but, but let's, let's move That's on. That's what I'm saying. We'll say, we'll, we'll, all right, we'll, we'll say, we'll say 1A, 1B or something. With yeah, let's, let's, yeah. let's move on. Yeah. Um, but um, well, before we move on to the next album, um, what uh, from this album, Country Grammar, mm-hmm. what was your favorite song off of this album? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, one. yeah. I was just it was because yeah, I was different than any other song that was on the record. Like, country grammar had that pop groove to it, had that party atmosphere to it. Ride with me had the same kind of feel. Batter up had the same type of feel. Ei was just different. Like it was grittier. It was more dark in a sense. Kind of, it wasn't like it was something you could probably play at the party. But it wasn't that like it would make you go crazy. It would be more like like that's that's the song you listen to, and I'm and I'm dating myself when I say this. This this is the song you listen to that puts on in the background where everybody's getting high in the corner. That's a different story for a different time. Not 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 hard drugs, ladies and gentlemen. We're smoking weed in this one. Um, I'm not smoking nothing. <laughs> this is the year. Two, this is the year two thousand. This is when I first, you know, this is when I was introduced to a lady by the name of Mary Jane. But we're not going to go there right now. I was um, eight years old. I was doing nothing. <laughs> the thumb on you um but no yeah i would say i mean because it was i would say out of, and, and then another other i guess another song on the album that i thought was just as good was uh the song that he did with little wayne uh which was for okay. which was for my um yeah and i remember hearing like the song in my head but i can't exactly remember like most of the lyrics or anything like that but like I have to go back and listen to the re- listen to it, but yeah, I just remember it's like this is where these motherfuckers drive fast, high class, some something along those lines. I just remember was, like Wayne it, coming this in. This was before home. this was before Wayne went to the. Hey man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, this is when he was still uh, a hot boy, right? Hey, hey, uh, hey man, <clears throat> I know what they don't want to tell you. <laughs> what about you, Raj? What? what what would you say is, is your favorite song off this album? It probably has to be Country Grandma because the way it starts, like the way he's knocking on the mic and then action. Like, yeah. That, action. Yeah, like that. Every time I hear that, like. I'm, is it I'm, action or is he? I thought he said hot shit. He may he may have said hot shit. He may have said hot shit, but I, I, in my mind, it always says action, but it might be hot shit. Hold on. You was eight years old, so you probably heard something and just like caught it, and just like that's what your memory has remembered or something. That's literally, what it said. Like it's probably just like it probably is hot shit, but in my mind, it's like nah, this is what it is. Maybe it's just I heard it that way. Well, I mean, the song is hot <laughs> no, hot it's shit. hot shit. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, 
I'm gonna put y'all y'all on the one uh number eleven on the album, other side. That is my shit, son. Well, uh, I also like never let him uh, let him see you uh, sweat. That one was yeah. Like, that album, like I said, that album in general was just different. And like, I mean, EI Ride with Me and Country Grammar were obviously like you know the big singles and everything. But right, most of the songs on that album were uh, good to begin with. Oh yeah, right. But right. Uh, so so as you guys know, I, I like. Uh, when when a, a, a hip hop artist can tell me a story, right? Yeah. Yes, that's other side for sure. Y'all have heard it, right? Yeah, it's been I a while, know. but yeah, I've heard it before. It's just been a long look, time. Let me look up the lyrics real quick. Well, he said, "Uh, it, it, so, uh, oh the, yeah, I do remember this. Yeah, yeah. You know, the first verse, he said, I said, I said, inhale, exhale. I heard your clientele doing well. I'll see you booming out the STL." pushing a 500 sl i heard you even got a child now look at that a baby mama and a bow wow <clears throat> i mean and, and, here? Like, <laughs> yeah he does say and a bow wow yeah a baby yeah. mama and a bow wow yeah my dude know you need to cl- calm down uh more country run up in your house yeah i mean he's telling a story yeah that's a long verse, actually. His it it is, really is a long verse. That's like his second verse is longer. That's ridiculous. It is. Dang, he but has three long just, verses. Wow. Just the beat that goes with it and everything. And uh that's one thing yeah. about Nelly albums in general. Like his albums, all the beats were great to every song. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So uh that Midwest on from, Do what? The Midwest movement. Exactly, it it it, it uh, was born and ended with Nelly. Nah, I think it ended when Sue Surf said, "I ceased that Midwest." We know we're gonna get in the battle rap a different time. Uh, <laughs> I cannot wait till Bro. we start picking apart rounds and battles. Like, okay, real quick side note. Um, like I know we want to go back and do like Gnome and one, and, like do all those original ones or anything like that. Yes, but like in my heart, like right now. The one that's yelling out to me the most to do is 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 D battle, D battle, John John versus Jack Boy. I mean, is that really even a battle? John John won three zero and only spit two verses. I want to I want to talk about <laughs> I want to talk about that's true. Uh, I want to talk about what a, a slaughter on stage is. I mean, we talked about it. Like, there's only been a few actual three o's and that's one of them and the other one that i can remember off the top of my head is loaded lux and calico and loaded lux also he spent like around and had two two rounds yeah it's crazy but anyway so uh moving on from nelly's country grammar we come up with the number nine album and uh this man i had to been like do what <laughs> this one surprised me a lot this one surprised me a lot too and i think i had to have been I don't even remember when this album came out. Hammond on Harlem. <laughs> yeah. It just says it was it was it was released on February twelfth, nineteen ninety. Yeah, it is. And I wasn't even ten years old yet. Roger, were you even born? I was not. Oh, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> so I, I was I was three. Uh, no, yeah, I was three. I and I was six. 
And so I this like is the number nine album is MC Hammer's "Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him," and uh, it's certified diamond with ten point one million copies. All mainly because of one song. Uh, two. Or was oh, that? Two. Uh, yeah, two. No, you're right. You're right. Two songs. Or was that on his uh second album? No, uh, you can't touch this and pray. Yeah, pray. We got yeah. to pray just to make it today. That yep. was, to be honest, that's probably his best song. Oh, it really is. I think. Wait, I in his it. overall catalog or just or this album? In catalog. I'd say his overall catalog. Yeah, uh, I think this is his best song. Uh, this is I don't know. I, I like the uh, song. I like the song, but I wouldn't put it up there as my like. I wouldn't even put. I wouldn't even put. You can't. I wouldn't even put. Can't touch this at number one for him as far. My me personally. Oh, man. I forgot he did uh man that song Have You Seen Her? I mean, y'all remember that one? Yeah. I mean, that was like the original uh, hip-hop love song. <laughs> uh, was that before Bismarcky? Uh, maybe not, but... <laughs> Is this all one verse? Like, did he just rap a verse? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the lyrics right now. He rapped a verse. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Have you seen her one month ago today? I was happy as a lark, but now I go for the walks to the movies, maybe to the park. I have a seat on the same old bench to watch the children play. You know, tomorrow, their future, but for me, it's just another day. Man, the sad ass on somewhere. It, <laughs> hey, it was a cover song, though. The, the, the shy light. Uh, so that was a cover song from the Shy Lights. He also did um, "On Your Face," the Earth, Wind, and Fire cover song, and "Dancing Machine," a Jackson Five cover. There you go. Yeah, but his actual songs, "You Can't Touch This" and "Pray," you know, those are the bops. Yeah, I right. okay. So, Alan, it you you say "Pray's" not the best song in MC Hammer's catalog. What would you say it is? I would. I, I mean, it's just me, just because I it's the it's. I mean, I have heard can't touch this and everything like that for me it was and I, I might be dating myself on this one again i don't give a fuck for me i thought too legit the crit was just awesome like i thought i would prefer I, I mean i like pray i like can't touch this but i've always been a fan of too legit to quit that was on his uh well, not, not really his second album his fourth album yeah that was his fourth his album, second yeah. mainstream album right yeah that was my i mean that was my part that's not, that's my personal favorite mc hammer song that, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's not actually an MC Hammer song. He he dropped MC from his stage name and just released it as Hammer. Okay, yeah. well, that's my favorite Hammer song. Yeah. <laughs> if we're uh, being technical due to copyright, you know, litigation and all that bullshit. Get Josh on the phone. Let's figure this shit out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know another song on this album. I don't. I know. You can't touch this. Pray. And then the Shy Lights cover, and that's it. To, no, no, no. I'm talking about his second album. Oh, or I mean fourth album, the that has Too Legit to Quit. And I know that's not the album that went diamond, but I literally do not know another song on this album. I don't. Pumps either. in a bump, not on that one. <laughs> what? Huh? Pumps in a bump. Uh-uh. That's when no. uh, Hammer tried to go gangster. That's on his fifth from Headhunter. There you go. 
but uh yeah uh you know praise probably his his, his best song <laughs> <laughs> hey did but, you know uh, prince had a writer's credit on that song he had a lot of writer credits at this time because he wasn't trying to make music, so he wouldn't have to um, keep getting money to Sony, I think it was at the time, because he was trying to get out of his contracts. So yeah. he counted songwriting as uh, contribution as albums, so he didn't actually make albums for a while. Right. Well, it says right. Well, yeah. Well, it says right here. It says "Pray" is the third single released from MC Hammer's third album, Ham- "Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him," produced by MC Hammer himself. The song heavily samples Prince's hit song "When Doves Cry." Yeah, that's what made it so good. Yep. Yeah, it samples that beat. Yep. All right. So, um, yes, at number nine, MC Hammer, please hammer, don't hurt him. Diamond with ten point one million copies sold. Yeah. Literally because of two songs. (laughs) That's how (laughs) ridiculous it was back in the day. But I think, but I think we can all agree with this next album being, you know, a diamond record. At number eight, Beastie Boys, License to Ill. Um, to me, I'll, this is gonna be a hot take, and people can disagree with me all day. Uh oh. Um, hold hold, let, me, hold on, on. on. Hold on. Let me let me back away because I think I can get hated on forever. But to me, the Beastie Boys are the greatest, the greatest rap trio group, whatever you want to call them. Period. In my opinion. Oh, I don't know that that's a hot take, bro. I yeah. would say that. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty I, I mean, of people who would agree with you. At, if we're looking at a a hip hop group trio, because there's three of them, but that I I would I would count that as a group, and we're talking about a hip hop group. There there has been no hip hop group that was more influential than the Beastie Boys. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. What about the NWA? Uh, I mean, they were influential, but who influenced them? Right. I don't know. Like, I respect I respect that. I, I really respect that. I, I just got a place in my heart for Wu-Tang, though. I think Wu-Tang is up there as far as the greatest hip-hop groups of all time because they had so many great lyricists in, in the group. Not to say that you know, the Beastie Boys weren't great lyricists in their own right because they were, um, you know, which I also, which it's something else about this album that people don't talk about is that people don't give enough credit to Rick Rubin for how well he produced the record, you know, because Rick, Rick Rubin's one of those guys who was just He's one of the best producers ever. Like, he is the best producer ever. No disrespect to anybody else. No, oh. no, no, no disrespect. He is one of the better than Quincy Jones. Ooh, okay, he's a, okay, 1A, 1B. You got me on that one. Okay, you got me on that one. 1A, 1B, Quincy Drones and Rick Rubin. Okay, 1A, 1B. Always got to fucking one-up me, dude. Uh, dude that, that was the hot take. It's saying Rick Rubin was number one. That's okay. the hot take. All right, all right. Well, hey, you know what? Oof. I mean, yeah, I, I mean I, but, I Rick Rubin's great. We all talked about him on the Limbiscuit uh, episode, and yes, he produced a lot of one of our, uh, I mean, New Metal, he pretty much produced up and out pretty much all day every day right yeah i mean fuck rick, <laughs> rick rubin has worked with everybody everybody and a mama beastie boys ll cool j public enemy ghetto boys run dmc uh eminem 
That's yep. because he was signed for Def Jam for so long. Right. Oh, he's Tell found, me why he's Rick Rubin looks like. Is it just me or does Rick Rubin look like the the homeless dude begging for money? <laughs> What's so funny to me is I've, the always seen, I've always seen Rick Rubin in a bunch of like hip hop documentaries and stuff like that, and I never like pieced it together who he was. But I like I knew who he was because I've always seen him and people talk about him, but I never pieced together who he was. Really? Exactly. Yeah. Like I knew who he was. Like I like I've heard about people talking about oh you know Ruben you know my producer Ruben you know he got me on this on this on this and everything like that. And then I've always seen this homeless man walking around you know and everything like that and a bunch of hip hop stuff. Never really thought about it together. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, but I I did not know he. F- I I should have known. Like in my mind, like I should know that's a thing. Like he was one. He was like one of the founders of Def Jam. Yeah. Um, he worked with Andrew Dice Clay, the Black Crows. I mean, it wasn't everybody. Just <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yep. Sir Mix a lot. Yep. Linkin Damn. Park. Yeah. Mick Jagger, the Cult, Me Joan Diamond. Jett, the Black Hearts, Tom <laughs> Petty, the Heartbreakers. He's lived for forever. I, <laughs> I know. Where did he start? Antig. It said he started in 1981. There's no way he started. At 18, yes, he did. Wow. Nine Inch Nails, ACDC. There's a Johnny Cash. Out. He was Johnny There's Cash's a, last album? Hold on, time out. There is a band called God Lives Underwater. <laughs> <gasps> what? You alright? No, I just. Did. No, 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 no. That was a deep gasp. Because because I, I had a revelation just now. Okay. Long, long time ago, I went to this tattoo parlor over there on the North Shore of Chattanooga. Okay. It wasn't Standard Inc. It was another tattoo spot. It was like as soon as you cross over to the bridge, it was a tattoo shop that was like right before you got to the red light. And okay. I was I walked in there to look through, you know, some portfolios and look at some tattoos. And I seen a picture of a visual of Jesus, and he was wearing snorkels. And I looked at it, and I was like, well, this is a weird-ass fucking thing. And he goes, what? He goes, I said, Jesus, wearing snorkels. I don't I don't, I don't, don't understand this. He goes, the tattoo artist said, if you could figure out what band that that picture is referenced, I'll give you a free tattoo. You just found it out. I just found out. Jesus lives underwater, or God lives underwater. What, 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 what the fuck? Well, now we but, know. But, um, but the right. tattoo shop ain't there no more, so fuck him. <laughs> all right so sidetrack uh but back to back to the like i said the my to me the greatest hip-hop group ever um i actually it, own this album on vinyl yeah i i want i i want to um i have it digitally obviously and i used to have it on cd but i want to i want it to be my first vinyl album when i get a good record player i don't want a crappy one that walmart sells or anything like that i want one of those good authentic ones but they're so expensive right now <laughs> right yeah uh I, I i literally own like four albums on vinyl right now and i mean i want to get some more uh, but... uh yeah i think i will probably get every beastie boy album on vinyl um yeah. that i have and every outcast right. album. Well, well let me pause real quick let me pause this quick let me just let me just ask this question and i want you guys to yeah. be honest with me what is it about listening to something on vinyl which makes it i guess 
better or maybe more what what is it about listening to it on vinyl so other than listening to it the way digital? the way it's recorded so digital compresses it um that's why you have wave mov uh sorry mov mp3 mp4 um different files format that's because it compresses it down to a certain level with vinyl when it actually records when it's recorded and the wax is spinning the needles on it uh, you can see those little circles on the uh, vinyl records it's not actually circles it's small indentions of sound waves so it's the actual pitch harmony performance and everything of that song um, at its maximum level so the needle will actually go that's how a record can skip because if one thing is like one wavelength is too long and one's short it can skip over that part um, but it's like yeah. the truest form of it and it's waxed out and then compressed um, so it'll always stay in that true form yeah vinyl, vinyl listening to a vinyl record is the purest form of music besides being there and be recorded besides besides being there live yeah. right right yeah. um all right so if you want to if we can get into the tracks for this one what are some of your favorite tracks on the on the on the album all of it <laughs> all of it no yeah. like but my favorite my favorite one on it is silly is girls because how goofy even on this album is yes I think it's probably the goofiest one on this album, which is hard to say because Brass Monkey's on it. That's my favorite. I love Brass Monkey. That's my I love favorite. that one too. That's my but favorite out. That's favorite song on the whole album. That's Def Funky Monkey. monkey. <laughs> but no, uh, not, which is funny because uh, Def Jam on the 360, they put out a uh, game, not Def Jam Icon, which is trash. We don't talk about the game ever. Fuck that so game, dude. I hate that game. game. Uh-huh. Uh, it ruined one of the greatest fighting game uh, franchises ever, which was the Def Jam Vendetta and Def Jam Fight for New York, which is still probably the best fighting game in my opinion. But okay, moving on. I, I'm weird. Uh, I'm weird. Um, I please. I, I'm weird. I kind of like. I still like Vendetta over Fight for New. York. I love Fight for New York, I but fight you physically. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm saying both of them are awesome. I love both of them. I just me being more of a fan of the wrestling, you know, than the street fighting. I would prefer Vendetta. That's but, my opinion. But I understand the wrestling part of it because it was Aki right after they left WCW and WO. So they had that. um, Okay, so real, really, we're going off track. What I'll do is I'll send you guys a video of the Aki, um, the Aki company's history and everything like that. Um, We'll talk about that later. But um, (laughs) but no, um, to be honest, uh, like I was saying, the uh, Def Jam game I was talking about was Def Jam Rap Star. If you guys remember that one, it came with the mic and. What you would do is you would rap the uh, videos. It would have the music videos, and you would rap it. So it's karaoke rap. Um, really fun game. Um, they had every, like Def Jam, Method Man, um, Def Jam. Uh, they have Method Man, Red Man, uh, Wu Tang Clan. They had um, Kanye. They had uh, Beastie Boys. Or anything. And the song for Beastie Boys was Brass Monkey. And literally, I can still, I think, to this day, recite that song 100% without even looking at the lyrics on screen or anything like that at all and to me i think like the selection for that was really ridiculous because they like out of all the songs they picked brass monk uh brass monkey because like why that one out of all the ones on this album or in beastie boys history that people would know right and i think the i think the one that everybody even if you're not a super super fan of the beastie boys I think everybody knows the two big or the three big songs that's on this album: "Fight for Your Right," "No Sleep Till Brooklyn," and "Paul Revere." Yeah, do you guys Paul agree? Revere, 
yes paul revere was the one that really put him on but then the videos for no sleep till brooklyn and you fight for your right is what got him there and i mean they're three goofy jewish guys from new york but they could tell stories yeah exactly exactly and back um, to that storytelling aspect i love it what's so good about them is that they did start as a garage band like they were just a bunch of punk rockers and they fell in love with hip-hop and like so the way they promoted themselves uh like to really get big and everything like that is that they would be uh opening uh group like opening groups for like people like madonna or um like uh, i think they said metallica and stuff like that so they were literally hitting all ranges of people um and that's how they got so big also because they were getting the pop people and getting the rock people and obviously they were doing rap and it works like these guys that's how good they are that they literally got every single kind of genre like attention well also and something else that people don't talk about on this album um and me and chip i think we talked about it a little bit in terms of uh i think is when we did our top 10 greatest hip-hop albums of all time uh when rolling stones put theirs out the song paul revere prominently featured in the track the rolling 808 drums with closed hi-hats bass and rim shots and it was the first time that an 808 drum was produced throughout a whole entire song you know and that but that could have been due to the fact that um run and dmc were both writers for the song paul revere i mean it could be um but that's just the beastie boy kind of thing to do though right what the collaboration no just like the the way their songs are produced like how they wanted each one to be like they have random noises random like things like that in most of their songs yeah well i mean it started i mean it started with like marvin Gaye, you know when he did the sexual healing song and then africa bambada and soul sonic force did planet rock with the 808 drums you know um right well, also, West Coast uh, still uses a lot of it. You know, I think I think uh, E Forty and a lot of the the, the hyphy movement uh, guys still use eight hundred eight. Oh yeah, eight hundred eight. I mean, is used a lot in hip hop now. Yeah, I, I mean, you but you hear Kanye, you hear it more on the West Coast than you do any place. I mean, Kanye made a whole album called Eight Hundred and Heartbreak. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but yeah. also on the, uh, the the track No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Uh, Kerry King from Slayer uh, provided the guitar yep. on that. Yep. yep. Like they're 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 so they were so great at blending everything they loved in music to begin with rock and obviously rock was their first love, but hip hop was what they were good at too. And right. they were able to make party anthems like rock party anthems with hip hop lyricism and stuff like that. And then when they got to their actual like just hip hop hip hop ones, I mean that's how we get stuff like Brass Monkey, Paul Revere, um, on this album and stuff like that. Time to get ill, um, like hold it now, like stuff like that was just like it was so different. Their albums are so different, but so great and amazing. Like I literally have all their like every single one of their albums on digital form, and I used to have them all on CD, like. They, I still go back and listen to them. I used to listen to them all the time when I was in the gym, getting ready to work out and stuff. Right. 
All right, so you were ready to jump to the very next one? Um, yes, so we are on number seven, um, which will probably be, you guys will probably find a hot take from me on this one too. Um, number seven is Tupac, All Eyes on Me, um, Diamond Certified at 10.2 million copies. BC Boys License to was also 10.1 million copies. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, this one's 10.2 million copies. Um, so my hot take, uh, a lot of people already know me, already know this, but I am not a West Coast fan, a rap fan. Okay. Um, I don't really like Tupac or stuff like that. Like Tupac to me was a great poet, but uh, I could really care less about it. Like his music. I think only like three of his songs really. Out of his whole yes, whole catalog. Wow, that is a hot take. Yeah. And you like mumble rap. I don't like mumble rap. Don't you do that. <laughs> don't you lie on me like that. Don't you lie like that. <laughs> no, like, but it's the thing. Like, I was born in 92. I mean, grew up in New York, in the Bronx. I mean, at that time, we hated the West Coast. Right. Uh, no, I, I get it. You, you grew up, you know, you, you're the product of your environment. You, you, you was, you grew up in the Bronx. So I assume that you're a Biggie fan. Oh yes. I love Biggie. Okay. See, that's the thing. I, had you, had you grew up in, you know, LA, it would probably be reversed. Yeah. Uh, so I get it, but I also, so Tupac gets a lot of credit for this album. I don't think it's his best album. Yes, it's Diamond Certified, but I don't. I don't think uh, it's his best. But you got to remember, at, um, at the time this came out with that super hype. <coughs> um, sorry, the super hype of when he was finally getting all the mainstream views, all his controversies and stuff like that going on. I mean, at, at what was it? This song came out. That sorry, this album came out in '96. So, did he already do Juice at this point? Uh, maybe. Um, let me take a look. Yeah, I mean, I can only think of of six songs between the the two discs that were any good. Oh, he did. Uh, Juice came out in '92. Wow. Okay. It was definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there's something I'm specific about this album. Is this the album? Is this the album before he went to prison or after he went to prison? I can't remember if this was. This was after he went to prison. Uh. So this was when he started turning to Machiavelli. Actually, I'm sorry. This is, this is before prison, but it, if I'm not mistaken, let me do my. My background check real quick. I'm pretty positive this is this came oh. out after he died. Oh, it has California Love on it. Yeah. Uh, no, this is the last to be uh, released during his lifetime. Uh, it was released in February of '96, and he died in uh, June of '96. Yeah. Oh, so that's probably why, because it probably got traction from his death, uh, posthumous, obviously, um, everything like that. But um, there was something else specific about this. 
Um, obviously, the height of the uh, Big Tupac feud. Right. Um, he actually attended for this album to come out on Christmas of 95. That would have been really weird. So the reason why he's okay, so October of '95, um, Suge Knight and Jimmy Levine paid the 1.5 million. Ivine, Jimmy Ivine, really? Yep, that was an L. Um, Ivine, so they paid the 1.4 million bail for Tupac from his prison sentence. Um, Tupac was broke at the time and couldn't make bail himself. All I'm all eyes on me was released following an agreement between Suge Knight and Tupac. Which stated that Tupac would make three albums under Death Row in return for them paying his bail. Um, so fulfilling part of his brand new contract, Tupac releases his double album to get two out of the three albums out of the way. Oh wow! And that's what got him killed. <laughs> I mean, I'm, that, it's probably right to be honest. Hey, this motherfucker been over here waiting for his spot. <laughs> yeah, for real. He's waiting for that hot tag. No, no. I was when Roger said that he wasn't a fan of Tupac. To use a white person word, I was flabbergasted. <laughs> you know, Did I you was, get up and walk away. I got up and walked away long enough to you know, you know, get myself something to drink and calm myself because I'm like, okay, hold on. He's an East Coast guy. He was born, and raised in New York. It ain't his fault. He don't know what good music is. So I understand. So. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, Talent. As as a fan of Tupac, I'm a fan of both. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm no, not no, no, picking no. East Coast, West Coast. Right, but we're talking Tupac right now. Okay, right. Okay. I, I don't know if you heard me. This is a double album, right? Okay. Fourteen tracks on the first disc. Thirteen tracks on the second disc. Right. They're right. both over an hour long. They're both over an hour long. There's six songs between the two discs that are any good. All right, well, let's go through them real quick. Let's see. Okay, let's see. Uh, Ambitions as a writer. Ambitions as a writer. Actually, one of the greatest like beats in hip hop. Yes. Yes. Like, like uh, that's that p that that thug piano. Like I was saying, West Coast has that like that. You can tell when it's a West Coast song because of the way even like all their instruments are played have like some swagger anger to it. Exactly. Like that. How do you want it? Featuring Casey and Jojo. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that song? That sounds a good song, bro. <laughs> Why know. are you laughing? <laughs> Two of America's Most Wanted featuring Snoop. Hey, that that song, man, was that was one of my favorite songs on the whole track, to be honest with you. California Love featuring Dre. I think that's what they were probably the most known for was that was that was that song from the South. I ain't mad at you featuring Danny Boy. Yep. And All Eyes on Me, the title track. Right. So about, uh, Thug, pa- Thug Passion didn't, you know, um, uh, because that was that I mean that that had some hit you know that was hitting too. 
Only God can judge me. Picture me rolling? No. I mean... (laughs) No. Heaven ain't hard to find. Only God Uh, can judge me? No. Now, my favorite Tupac song of all time is Dear Mama. Right. My favorite Tupac song is Hail Mary. Uh, Off the Machiavelli album? Yep. Yep. Now, I think it weird that my favorite song, my favorite Tupac song is Changes. No, because that's my second favorite one. That's my first I favorite. I personally think the, the Machiavelli, the Don Caluminati album was probably his best the album. Best album Pac ever did. There's a right. hot take for you. Right. It happens. Yep. Oh, so. Didn't mean to do that. Uh, moving on from Tupac, we're going to go into the number six. Hey, everybody, this is Talon Williams from Movement Radio, and I want to talk about a very special offer that my buddy Sean Thompson has given away for you guys with Thompson Personal Training. Now, I've been working with Sean for the past couple of weeks, been working out, been working on cardio, working on cardiovascular stuff, boxing, in-ring stuff, and dude is the truth. He is going to give you guys the best possible workout you can possibly ask for. And if you guys want to take advantage of this deal, check him out on Facebook. He is giving away one month. All you got to do is sign up for three months and you get the fourth month absolutely free. So check him out on Facebook, Sean Thompson, or go to Thompson's Personal Training on Facebook and see what it's all about. Now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from that commercial break. We're going to go right on to into number six. Number six is M&M's, the M&M show, certified diamond at 10.9 million copies. Yes, yes, indeed. This very hot take and i know uh, hell we got a lot of hot takes here this is just an opinion so fuck it i'm just gonna say it this is with this is one of if not my favorite eminem record just because it's one of the first records of eminem's that like i like a lot of this on the album especially with what was going on in the world and everything that was going on at the time and just a lot of my favorite songs by eminem in fact my favorite eminem song is on this album actually so okay you know um, i'm sorry say what now was it white america no it wasn't white america uh soldier no it wasn't soldier oh uh let me see one more um oh uh is it cleaning out my closet it's not cleaning out my closet it has to be seen for the moment yep because me, me and me and Chip already had that conversation so yeah sing for the moment that's my favorite uh it's my favorite eminem song um but and it, it, of course, I wouldn't say second. And second is also on this record too. It's "Till I Collapse." There's another amazing oh, song. I like the remix with Fifty more. Say what now? I like the remix with Fifty Cent more on "Till I Collapse." Till I Collapse one. Yeah, yeah. And it's not I'm not saying that "Till I Collapse" the original is a bad one or anything. Like I, I like the original still, but the remix, Fifty's verse was especially at this time when Fifty was just like at that like peak. Yeah. Right. He, just, he just adds a little bit more to it. But like I can listen, like it's one of this, this is one of those albums I can literally listen to all the way through and not skip a song, honestly. It's one of my because it is one of my favorite albums. 
I agree. I, I can't do that with this one. Which one what, can you not? Which one can you not listen all to? Through or? Um, I don't like Haley's song on here. Um, really? Yes. I also don't like uh, My Dad's Gone Crazy. So you don't like the Haley songs? No. Why not? <laughs> I just, I don't know. There's something about them. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know. It's just um, me. To me, the song I actually like the least on this is Superman. Yeah. Um, it's I can I can understand that. Like it's yeah. not a bad song, but to me, it's just like it's it's. I think it's just a very like average, I think it's just a flat average song. Like it's a plain five. Like I understand. Like it was he, his lyrics in there are okay and everything, but everything else on this album is better in my opinion. Like. This is a five. That song's a five. Everything else is either like a seven or eight or better. So it's just like, uh. Right. I mean, and, and like I said, I mean, it's preference. I mean, I think the majority of Eminem's albums are freaking amazing. You know, um, you know, like for whatever reason, this album, I guess maybe it was the first Eminem album that, you know, I, you know, I guess had really. Cause I mean, cause I've heard, Slim Shady LP, and I've heard, uh, 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 you know, Marshall Mathers LP, you know, but this one, for whatever reason, it just, it, it stuck with me for whatever reason, and I was, I found myself listening to this more than I was listening to, now, when, with later albums, I'll actually, obviously, listen to those albums, and, you know, they're full, you know, later on, but for whatever reason, I just, I just, I just enjoyed this, this album, for whatever reason. Uh, uh on a side note, uh Roger the yeah. the till I collapse remix with uh 50 cent uh-huh are, was it are, I don't remember that are you thinking of the song never enough from no hold on the encore no let me album? no let me give me a second I'll find it for you don't okay yeah please do yeah uh cuz I don't I don't remember that one but I'm sure it was was good um you know this this album also has one of I know Eminem has a lot of controversial songs, but it has one of the most controversial songs in his catalog. One that he even refuses to play anymore, and that's "Cleaning Out My Closet." Yes, yes. I mean, you talk about gritty, raw, real, just abrasive. Just which, obviously, for those of you who know "Cleaning Out My Closet," the song was basically about just his mother you know and how much of a shitty parent there's no basically about it bro yeah well that's what i'm saying i mean if, if you just boiled it down to the very essence it's about him just taking the piss out of his mom pretty much um you know because he has that one the, the the one of the last couple bars on the on on the song in the third verse and last verse he says you know, you selfish bitch. I hope you fucking burn in hell for this shit. Remember when Ronnie died and you said you wished it was me? Well, guess what? I am dead to dead to you as could be. I was like, whoa, you know. So that was a uh, well, that was yeah, that was an insane. Yeah. You're, you're, it's almost like like I love my mama, but I felt that one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it was weird. You know. Um, it almost is like it's like because you 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 hear all the stories about how 
because he he it was the first time that he actually delved into it. It was the first time that he actually delved into the situation with his mother. Because you you've heard him talk about on the first album, you know his first album when he went during the song role model he goes mother are you there I love you I never meant to hit you over the head with that shovel. I was like what right you know you know and and always constantly referencing his mother referencing his mother and then in this album you finally get like a almost a story like what you talk about with storytelling almost like a storytelling part of it you know uh and even in that like i said before even that in that last verse when he said "Haley's getting so big now you just see her she's beautiful but you'll never see her she won't even be at your funeral like whoa like he you hate your fucking mama dude you know yeah i mean he has since come out and, and retracted those statements and said that he was going through uh, a lot of personal angst and everything right. during the time of this. But, I mean, you, like, I get it, I understand, but, man, you had to have felt, for, for you to lay that track as angrily as you did, you had to feel those lyrics inside of you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um... Which and then and then it, immediately after this, you know, heavy heavy song in cleaning out my closet. The next song was a song called Square Dance, which was a, you know, kind of what Eminem was known for was the, was the goofy, you know, the goofy beats and you know the the song, you know, just you know, which he referenced a lot of political stuff in the song Square Dance, you know, right? Um, I mean, his best political song on the album is White America. Yes, I would say, yeah, his best political song is White America, absolutely. Um, he didn't get, like, really political until Encore when he came out with uh, Moss. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Um, what, are, what are some of y'all's favorite tracks from this album? Um, for me, um, probably my favorite one on there is uh, White America. Uh, it's such a I mean, he's literally bringing up like, hey, white people, you know, he's like saying this is all we're messed up doing and everything like that. He was bringing up that um, white white privilege kind of thing to it, really. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, right. And he was trying to say like, yo, this is what really is going on. And this is coming from a guy who grew up in the trailer park of Eight Mile. He like, he's like, I can see I still had event. I still have advantages and you guys do, too. And I grew up poor and still had an advantage over these people. Like, he's like trying to bring it to attention. Um, that one and um, without me, I like that one a lot too. Um, and Say Goodbye Hollywood, I think it's actually one of his most underrated ones. I like that one a lot. The beat and everything. Right. Uh, and, and it's just it's just a fun. I mean, it's a good song uh it's not like too deep or anything like that at all like it, it's got a meaning and stuff but it's not too deep um uh, those are probably my favorite ones on the album right me i like i mean like i said before sing for the moment it's my favorite eminem song of all time um uh sing for the moment till i collapse is another one till i collapse that's one of those songs you listen to in the gym like when i talked about uh last week how i had you know you know how i listened to a lot of you know heavy metal music in my in my uh playlist i also have a few hip-hop songs thrown in there and aside i got two like the two eminem songs that i have for a fact that i know of and i may have some more and you know thrown in there 
is uh obviously lose yourself and then the uh this particular song till i collapse it's something it, it sounds like because it's got that one part it's like go laugh it's almost like okay it, it's they're doing the uh you know it's almost like it's all it's, it's, it's getting you ready for to fight you know and it's got that that intro in the beginning with the piano and stuff you well know, i mean it, it samples it, kid rock or not kid rock um uh <laughs> queens uh we will rock you right so i mean it's it's there um and just i don't know it's something about that song it just hits you differently you know and of course uh the song soldier just because it was it was very it was very raw too you know um and i guess if you want to talk about like fun songs uh the song business with him and dre you know was was very fun to listen to also yeah um to me on like this album was the what I want to say the separation of Slim Shady and Marshall Mathers yes uh, Eminem sorry uh, um, he did get more lyrical more conscious conscientious uh, he he put more of his soul into these like a lot of these lyrics and songs like um, and it was just like the stepping stone really like uh, to be honest to me Encore is probably his best album um like a lot uh, of those songs really? i mean we can de- i mean we can debate eminem albums you know like ranking them our own personal preferences you know later if you will um but i mean but i mean you can't de- you mean like what you said earlier you know you can't deny that this is a diamond record and it has you know i think a lot of people would i mean you can you know compilate the, the just you could probably you could probably make a best of eminem with some of the songs that's on you couldn't make a best of Eminem without some of the songs that's on this list oh for sure I mean yeah I'm not saying that I'm saying to me Encore <laughs> is the uh, to me Encore is the better album okay I'm not saying this is a bad album like I, I mean I have like I like a lot of this, like I said this is what separated him from being some shady and Eminem like this is his separation this is like oh I can actually like I can really rap I don't have to be a gimmick um, he's like I still want to have fun and everything like that but um you know like hey this is stuff that's real um and everything like that like these are what right. i gotta say things i want to do like i've got stuff to get off my chest like clean out my closet i mean yes we talked about it um during this time he was really into his uh, substance abuse and his depression and everything like that so i mean like you can feel and hear that in a lot of his songs during this album absolutely um yeah, yeah but um like like we said we can always discuss Eminem albums and stuff and everything like that um chip what were your songs uh so so two of my favorite songs on this album are are back to back it's um say what you say featuring dre uh and then till i collapse featuring nate dog um say what you say that was uh do you guys remember that song I, I do say, say, say how you say. Yeah, I, I know that one. It's it's the one where, with, uh, huh? huh? They dissed uh, Jermaine Dupri. Yep. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's when him and Dre was, oh, uh, JD and Dre were beefing, and uh, I don't know. A, such a weird <laughs> like, beef. It it is such a weird beef. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, it ain't as bad as like fucking, like. 
G unit and game or something like that. But yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> I mean it's nothing as soft as like. Um, oh, LL Eminem. cannabis. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna say Eminem and Moby. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Moby. <laughs> right. But um, uh, I mean, you don't know me. Too old. Let it go. It's over. Nobody listens to techno. Okay, I listen to techno. Okay, so <laughs> I mean, I, I'm always up in for my. I, pre- I, pre- I prefer. It's called EDM now, but as far as I'm concerned, it's still techno. Okay. No, EDM is a, is as a it's a different genre than techno. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, it is now, but I mean, there's elements of techno in EDM. Oh yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, I, so, I mean, I, I mean, I, I personally prefer ambient or trance music personally but you know um, yeah you want to go ahead and tell us the next um this uh town this is the next one is this is your asterisk one and it's, we can all... here's my here's my thing i don't if you want to define it as a hip-hop album i am not going to fault you for it it's not the hill I, I, i'm prepared to die on i just personally feel like it's a new metal album and not a hip-hop record <laughs> Okay, it's, and it's and it's Kid Rock Devil Without a Cause. Um, it sold eleven million copies, but um, no, like we like we talked about earlier when we were going over the list, like we completely see where you're coming from and agree. Like it can be seen as new metal only. It can be seen as like a hip hop rock. Like it, it's up to the per each person um, how they want to f- describe it. Um, that's why I said this is our asterisk one, uh, really. So. Um, I mean, if somebody can convince all three of us that is a like a hip hop album, go for it. But since it's not a unanimous thing, we're going to put an asterisk next to it, right? And it's not that I'm, you know, being disrespectful. I love this album. You know, I think it's one of the greatest new metal albums in the history of, you know, the new metal genre and you know the, the timeline. Um, just simply because I mean. You first heard, you know, ball with the ball, you know, and so you wouldn't believe how many people b- tried to tell me that ball with the ball was a fucking like satanic chanting ritual or some shit like what? But like some 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 kid in my in my middle school class was saying that, oh, ball with the ball. My daddy told me that that was that was uh, satanic words or something like that. I'm like, OK, kid, go eat paste. You know, like it was like, <laughs> go eat paste. I mean, I don't, I never looked at it that way, you know. I, I mean, per, I just remember getting the pit and try to love someone. Like, that's what I mean. You, you gotta know. remember people used to say that Pokemon was satanic, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the satanic panic led into the 2000s, apparently. But anyway, but no, um. But yeah, but most, I mean, this, this album is known really for three songs. I can say that I remember it for like five or six songs, um, you know, with only 14 tracks, I guess. I mean, ball, but we're obviously, I think ball with the ball was the first time, the first, first time I heard Kid Rock. I don't know about you guys, uh, when the first time you heard it was, um, I think the very first time is when it first played on, um, TRL, TRL, yeah. <laughs> I mean, back then, that's what like they had like TRL used to be mainly pop, but there was like a thirty-minute segment where they did hip hop and rock, um, and new metal, something like that. And it was like at like between four and four thirty. I guess it's before your parents got home, uh, <laughs> right? And, and like, so that's when they were doing their edgy stuff. 
Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that, that's that's got to be the first time I can vividly remember hearing it. I mean, my brother, my older brother at the time um, was obviously listening to it, but I don't know if he had, I don't know if we had heard the song, like if he had had the album before I saw the video um, I can't remember that clearly, but I do remember it being on TRL and then the video for it. I was like, what in the hell is this song? <laughs> All I knew is like it was it was it was hitting me in my chest in a good way. Like my head was bobbing and I was like, yo, this is this song is really going. I'm like, yeah, this is good. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on here. But yeah, <laughs> right. And the, when you start off a song with this is for the questions that don't have any answers, the midnight glances and the topless dances, you're like, okay, how's this? Hold on. Now I got a math problem. Wait a minute. Okay. So we got midnight dance. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it was definitely one of those songs that was, you know, it was different at the time because it was hip hop mixed in with rock, you know, and if you weren't already a fan of the genre of new metal, then you probably, you know, didn't, or even if you help, some people may have not thought it was a new metal. Maybe they thought, okay, this is just hip hop, you know, whatever, you know, which kid rock does have a hip hop background. Well, yeah, his first yeah. two albums were, were straight hip hop. Right. So a lot of people don't realize that this is actually uh kid rocks third album. Right. Or I'm sorry, fourth album. Right. Um, uh, go ahead. I was gonna say, uh, prior to this, he had. Um, you're, you're gonna laugh at the name of some of these albums, but uh, you had uh, Grit Sandwiches for Breakfast that came out in 1990. You had the Polyfuse Method that came out in '93, and then Early Morning Stone Pimp, which came out in '96. And it wasn't until 98 when Devil Without a Cause dropped that he garnered mainstream success. Right. Right. Um, um, what about you, Rod? This album didn't actually have like a big name producer or anything on it. No. And that's like I was look I'm looking through and I'm trying to find it and I'm just like it's mainly Kid Rock doing a lot of the stuff, then the Twisted Brown Trucker group um doing a bunch of st- stuff for him i think it's funny that uncle cracker was on the turntables <laughs> um, exactly um but no like it just had engineers it was mixed in detroit and then sent off to la for like mastering which like i'm looking at it like that's really impressive that they didn't have like a big name producer or anything like that on it yeah. and it took off so hard and fast exactly it's crazy this is also this album is also the very first time that i heard eminem yeah because he was on the song fuck off yeah he was on the he was on the the uh yeah like you couldn't get the clean version like the clean version of the album didn't have the song on it at all like you you didn't have the walmart version you had to go somewhere else yeah i think it's not the first time i heard eminem um, um. Obviously, the first time I heard Eminem was on when he debuted on Tira Also, with um, uh, my name is um. Yeah, but that was and that was in '99, though. Yeah. Well, like I'm saying, I, like I remember the the just the first like uh bottle uh 
No, I think it was Cowboy. No, did I see Cowboy first? Whichever one I saw on TRL first is how I was introduced to Kid Rock. But I don't remember listening to the album. I know my brother had it, but I don't remember listening to it with him that much. Um, so it was me just mainly seeing the videos. And then later on, obviously growing up and going back to listen to stuff and everything like that. So Yeah, I mean, I was 15 when this album came out. So I was yeah. six. God. God, I was twelve. <laughs> Fucking bunch of young bucks. Young bucks. I'm, going, I'm just three years younger than you, bro. Um, it took him almost a full year to record it, and then um, he said got it released a month after recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which but, is, I mean, an amazing feat in itself. To once you finish recording, to release the entire album like a month later and they only had two like audio engineers on it so like that's it had one engineer and an assistant engineer on it that's ridiculous that it got done that fast and was that well done that's crazy with no big name producer i do i do i don't i don't mean to bring the program down no no um, no but i chip you may know where i'm going with this um you're gonna talk about the number three song no, no, the number four song, I am, uh, I am the Bull God. Oh, okay. That I is, thought you were going to talk about Joe C. No, I mean we'll talk about Joe C here in just a second. But I am the Bull. Every time I, every time I hear that song, I think of Drew Gain. You know, yeah, because that was the very first song that when I when I wrestled Drew for the very first time back in like 2002, I think that was it was his it was that was his entrance music, and for, until he left GXW, he was. He was he that was his music, you know. So every time I hear that song, I, I again I think it's it's so weird. Like with all the different songs, because I think of "I Am the Bull God" and "Break Stuff" were the two songs that I that I you know relate to Drew Game because those are the songs that you know he would always use whenever like anytime we'd wrestle each other, it was either "Break Stuff" or "I Am the Bull God," you know. Right. Um, and uh, that always you know. You know, it makes me think good. It makes me think of good times, you know, so, you know, I I mean, this is such a, it's such a good song anyway. Like the, the one, uh, the verse, he says, uh, cause I'm the bull God. You understand the illegitimate son of man, the TOP to the GO or the TOP to the DOG or the POT to the GOD. And I'm tripping. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And like I don't know, I was just like, "What?" <laughs> you know, right before that, he's like, "It ain't no twelve step program couldn't keep, keep me clean. clean." Yep, yep. And then, but but also number three, but going back to that one, and hell, we'll keep the program down with "Devil Without a Cause" <laughs> featuring Joe C. You know, so yeah, because uh, Joe C. passed away like not even not too long after this, but uh, yeah, two thousand. <laughs> hey. Joe C had the best verse on this whole fucking album. <laughs> he did. He really did. <laughs> say it. Just say it. I mean, he did. He, three foot nine with a ten foot dick. Yeah. Him over came out. He said, I'm J-O-E to the C-Ho. I got more game than Coleco. Hey, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yes. You don't know nothing about that, do you, Roger? No, I do not. <laughs> uh, you you have heard this song though, right? Yeah, I heard the song, but okay, yeah. <laughs> Three foot nine, but a ten foot dick. There you go. Okay, man. So, so um, the next song. Oh, 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 oh wait, oh, oh, you said the next song or the next album? 
next album. Sorry. No, wait, wait, we got to talk about one more one more song on this album. Oh, okay. Probably the song that he was probably I don't know about most famous for, but it's definitely a song that was. It kind of blends in the country aspect to this record, and that's a song only God knows why. You know, um, uh, no, I wouldn't put that as uh, the country aspect. Cowboy was the country yeah, aspect. Cowboy, Cowboy was the country aspect, but what I mean by that is that Cow- it was Cowboy more... is literally credited as creating the country rap genre. Right, but what I'm saying is that only God knows why it was more methodic, more more melodic, more oh yeah, acoustic, and that's you know something like I could like I can hear only God knows why playing on like US 101 or something, you know. I can see that, it, it, and that and that's what that. I meant when I said that, you know. Okay. Obviously, Cowboy, yeah, started if it wasn't for you know Colt Ford listening to Cowboy, he wouldn't have started rapping. But you know, and I don't know that to be a fact. Shout out to you, Colt Ford. Uh, but we out Colt Ford. I have tried. no fucking clue. <laughs> so he does be like, this motherfucker talk shit about me on his podcast. Who the fuck's this guy? You know, but whatever. I don't know if he talks like that. I don't care. Yeah. It um, don't matter if he's, as long as he's listening to his podcast. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I'm so confused about what's going on. <laughs> no, there ain't no feuding, but there ain't no feuding to it. I was trying to be funny. And, I was trying to be funny and y'all both kind of hang me out the dry there. Uh, <laughs> no, you hang yourself out the dry there, bro. <laughs> Real um, men, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway but no so, what y'all think about the song only god knows why i mean obviously i mean it's a pretty you know song about you know it's a song pretty much about being on the road and everything and you know yeah i mean it, i like it it's a good song um it's not my favorite song on the album right obviously yeah, yeah. uh what, what, are, what are you guys' favorite songs on the album um Ironically, Cowboy's probably my favorite song on the album. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I would mean, say Cowboy. Yeah, I yeah. would say Cowboy. Cowboy followed by I Am the Bull God. Uh, with the Baba. Baba, 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 Dag, 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 Ding, Dong, Ding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So my two favorite songs are probably songs that people either didn't listen to or whatnot. I mean, they don't get a whole lot of radio play for sure. Were but, you not um, wrong? Nope. Welcome to the party. Wasted time. Nope. Damn. Fuck off. Black chick, white guy. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny it. about black chick, white guy? Nothing. Twelve. the way long. you said it. It was the way you said it. Uh, well, it's it. it's twelve minutes long, but the the actual like song "Black Chick White Guy" ends at the seven minute mark, and then after that is a uh, remix to "I Am the Bull God." Um, but "Black Chick White Guy" is a, uh, I mean, it's a story uh, of it's a story of a black chick and a white guy who fall in love. She gets uh, pregnant, and he leaves her ass because he's a piece of shit. Oh wow, white guy. Yeah. Uh, but but, it, so it goes back to, like, uh, you guys know I, I love storytelling in in my music, and there it is. Like, yeah. and I mean, I like to just vibe out sometimes, a lot of times too, but. You know, it, man, if you can tell me a story and take me, take me away, then then you got me right there. Right. All right. So 
the next album that we're gonna talk about mine go ahead go ahead just ironic because it's a hit again (laughs) uh so the next one on uh this list is tupac again greatest hits diamond certified 11 million copies uh, uh yeah <laughs> i mean what can we say about this album that you know we haven't talked about previously i mean because mo- i mean all eyes on me we just talked about that record and you know two of america's most wanted is is on it uh Mad Hatch is on it. It's uh, a double album with California Love, Picture Me Rolling. It's a double album with 25 total songs, and eight of them were All Eyes on Me, which is a third of them. Right. Right. I mean, and, and then when you go and you look at, like, actual look at the track listing, <clears throat> one. Two, three. What are we looking for? Probably unreleased. Uh, so. Nope. No. All eyes on me. Four, five, six, seven, eight. I don't know where he's going with it. Like like nine. Okay. No, literally, literally like nine good songs on this album. Wow. Two two discs, nine good songs. Well, well we already know my stance with Tupac. I only really like three songs by him to begin with. Oh, I'll, I'll give yeah. you ten, but the the 10th one isn't even truly a um Tupac song. It's um uh, it's it's actually Digital Underground. Right. So Okay, all right, well, okay, well, so are the, okay, Roger, you said that you only like three songs by Tupac. Yes, they're, they're on there. Okay, which ones are they? Hail Mary, we were talking about Hail Mary Changes and Dear Mama. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you um, didn't, okay, so, so you didn't, you didn't care for Hit Him Up? No, no. You, you didn't care for the, for the big <laughs> diss? You didn't care for that one? I mean, it's a, good, it's a good diss song, I mean, but like, Biggie's diss song was better. Okay, <laughs> he said. Oh, okay. No, because I've realized I, there ain't no point in arguing with this because <laughs> either I'm going to lose the argument and feel like shit, or he ain't going to listen to the point. So I'm just going to move on. I mean, you uh, can state your point. I'll listen to it. But like, my thing is like, I don't like like growing up when I grew up and how hip hop was for me and everything like that. I didn't. I mean, no. like I said, Tupac's a great poet. A lot of his lyrics and stuff are good. When they're actual songs with me, but like his thug stuff, I don't give a crap about any of that. So, so, so wait, Brenda's got a baby. You didn't find any any good, you know, storytelling aspect to it and everything it's, like it's that. It's good. It's decently good. Yeah, right. Um, like the video's good and everything too. But right. Eh, and then eh. you got. Then you got. I get around. You didn't. You didn't like that. His digital underground song. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was featuring digital underground. No, it's a digital underground song. <laughs> So it's a digital underground song, just Tupac's just singing on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even well, though it was, was part of digital underground. What? What chip? Tupac was part of digital underground before he he Came broke back. away yeah. from them to do solo stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, but definitely, but definitely, changes is probably the album, probably the song that's probably most that this album is probably most known for. And I find it so funny because I was listening to it uh, coming home from work a couple days ago, and um, listening to it, vibing out to it, and it's so fitting that that first verse, even all the way back then, and then you listen to it in today's climate. In today's I see world, no change, huh? I see no change. I see no change. Ex- exactly, and, and it's almost like he was very prophetic with that song, in a sense. And it was like not really prophetic because I mean that's what was happening in L.A. at the time, right? Yeah, but yeah, but and, and it's still, and everything. right, and it's still going on now, in a, in a sense, you know. No, you um, can't say that because white privilege doesn't exist. And black people are making up their their uh, struggle. When have you ever heard of black people talk about their struggles? That's not real. It's just for media. He's being sarcastic, Talon. I know he is. I just don't <laughs> like the anger being thrown at me. No, it was, oh, definitely, it's not def. It's never, bruh. I know you way better than that. <laughs> it's not directed to you at all. Right. <laughs> but. You know, it's just you were very forceful after I said something. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on a second, hold on a second. No, I just wanna, I just wanna bring the point of what you were saying, how then and now is still relevant, and then all the people that literally try to deny what, like, Mike. The thing I hate the most is when a non-minority tries to speak on the struggle of a minority. Oh, uh, uh, what what is it called? It's, it, they call it signal virtuing, or it's called bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I right. can't remember what I think. Bill Maher said something on TV. He goes, "You can't pretend you're more offended than the victim." Yeah, like that's, yeah. What, that's what it is. Like you, like how, like Karen's trying to say that Karen is worse than quote the N word. If you can't say the N word, but you can say your slur. Then obviously there's a difference. Well, here's 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 the thing about that. The only reason why Karen was quote unquote considered a slur is because if you think, which really, I mean, really, if you really think about it, the most common names for a white woman is uh, I think the, the two most common names are John and Mary or something like that. Um, Muhammad, a, a a white woman named John? No, no, no. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> For, I, I started off with one sentence and then my thought went to those things. Ladies and gentlemen, I have attention definite hyperactive disorder. It's a disease that affects 24% of people in America. Um, <laughs> That's legit, too. That is legit. Yeah. Yeah, 24%, uh, 24%, 24% of people in the United States struggle with ADHD. Um, and of that 24%, 85% of them are males. So, I think Danielle has it. Say what now? Danielle has it. She's like been watching these like diagnostic things and like everything, like studying it. And uh, she doesn't have like the super hyperactive part. She does the other one where she has to have like, if she wants to do a chore, she has to do it with somebody else in presence. Uh, has to have like like touching things that all like consistently and everything like that. She has like yeah. the, the fidget kind of ADHD. I'll do. Hey man, the fidget spinner saved my life. Like you don't even know. You don't even know. Like, when them, when them fidget spinners came out, like, I got me one, and they were like, man, did you jump on the trend of fidget spinners? I'm like, hey, this thing's helping me. 
I am I bothering you? No, then shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, so you're bothering me. Hell, this thing's reversible. You know, so <laughs> but you know. Although it did I mean, although being on the podcast and being able to do that and then also doing the stand-up comedy and things like that actually helped me accept my ADHD even more, you know, because I always was ashamed to tell people that I have ADHD because I, I didn't want to be looked at as like I was fucking crazy or something. And then when you realize, then when you find out that's like, oh, 24% of Americans, ha- you know, struggle with it, you know, and it's like, you know, and it's mostly, it mostly affects children and most children do grow out of it. But there is like, I think maybe like seven or 8% of adults that just don't ever grow out of it. And the problem is, is that there's two different kinds of ADHD. You have your functioning ADHD and then you have your way out there hyperactive ADHD people so I'm kind of on the functional side of it because I can you know talk in coherent sentences you know I guess um I don't because I've never been on that far side of it I guess I hope I'd never have to go to that far side of it but yeah so anyway back to what I was saying I think the reason yeah. why the kids see it was and that's another thing with ADHD we're gonna get back to what we were talking about you gotta take this trip with me um but yeah, with the whole thing, with the whole Karen, you know, being a uh, being a, a disrespectful slur, I think I've never heard of a white woman ever being offended by being called a proper noun. You know what I mean? Like, like for me, like I think it's just you know, like oh, the typical white woman name Karen. Okay, we're gonna you know say that that's it. You know. It ain't no different than what Roger said a couple weeks ago when he was like, oh, yeah, this is a Kyle anthem. You know you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, that's just the name you pick. Like, oh, wait, wait, you mean a guy drinks a shit ton of monsters and punches holes in drywalls when he gets pissed off at his girlfriend? Bet his name was Kyle. <laughs> you know, starts off as a joke and then people take it to the utmost degree. So, you know, but whatever. Um, I don't even know where the hell we were going with this conversation after the fact. It was, we were talking about changes. There you go. Yeah, we were talking about changes. And, yeah. And, and you thought I was putting that uh, sarcastic anger out on you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no. Yeah. Uh, so um, um, we pretty much already all talked about our favorite Tupac songs to begin with anyway. Right. So we can just, yeah. Uh, if you guys, uh, yeah. Chip, if you want to take the next one. Yep. The next one up is number three. Uh, Notorious B.I.G. Life After Death. We're Brooklyn at, bro. Certified Diamond at 11.1 million copies. Right. Raj, take it, bro. This is your guy, man. Why is this me? You you have this one right here? Because you you are uh, from the Bronx, and I personally only think there's three good songs on this whole album. Oh, my gosh. What, so, what three? What three? Uh, Hypnotize, Mo Money, Mo Problems, and Notorious Thugs. Uh, let me think. This is a double album. Uh, it's a double album. I don't know. Last Day with the Locks was pretty good, though. I like Ten Crack Commandments. Um, uh, you know, I could probably throw in uh, Going Back to Cali. Yeah, right. that's a good one, too. So, um... But, you know, we 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 got to delve into West Coast, which I'm a bigger West Coast fan than uh, like New York style slash East Coast is what it's called. Why is uh, that? Do what? Why is that? You're from Houston. I am. I'm, I'm from 
Texas, but yeah, uh, Texas, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but the, yeah, but the, yeah, but the Houston hip hop scene wasn't as relevant when Chip was coming up, yeah. you know, in, in in his hip hop journey. Matter of fact, Houston hip hop didn't really start popping until what during the middle of the Crunk era in the year t- in, in the two thousand no, in the nineties. UGK, yeah, bro. it was in the nineties. Oh, UGK, yeah, but they were the only one. Ghetto Boys, well, them get Ghetto Boys, but that was more on the horrorcore level. UGK was yeah, definitely, but it wasn't until after the two thousands you had Chameleon Air, Paul Wall, Slim Thug, Mike Jones, all them come out. It wasn't until later on when they, you know, got a little bit of love. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean that's what I mean that's when I start. Well, no, that's not true. I did listen. to My brother did have a bunch of UGK stuff, and when I was growing up, so I heard. Yeah, and I, I mean I'm, I'm a UGK fan for sure. Yeah. Uh, but hey, that should I wanna, be a versus. What UGK what? versus M Ball and MJG? Um, I say UGK. UJ, UGK and Outcast. No, UGK would win that versus. It's also oh. hard for us to do that versus since one of the members is not around. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um. But no, like the, re- the reason why this album is obviously Diamond is because it was also the uh, his final album, I believe. Yep. Uh, I think uh, there. I think he may have dropped. There, there might have been. Oh, this is Life After Death, which would have been. Yeah, his last studio album, Life After Death. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, no, he had. Well, there, there was a compilation album called Born Again. Yeah, but that's with a hit. Like, I mean, it was his, but it really wasn't. <laughs> right. But like, this is the last one he did while he was like as he was living, and then obviously they made all these other ones from the tracks he had left over and stuff like that, unreleased stuff, and then mixes and everything like that. Uh, but no, like this one. At this point, uh, the the big feud obviously had happened, and then um, Tupac had been killed at this point. Um, so there was a recovery for that, and then Biggie died um, after this album had released too. Um, so it just had like a lot of going for it. Like uh, the East Coast West Coast feud was sort of this was like that moment where everybody's like, "Yo, this is too real." Um, everything yeah. like that. De- uh, definitely this was it, it was at this moment that the the east coast west coast feud kind of like died yeah i mean it, right. you're always gonna uh, have that debate like you're always gonna have that like friendly debate and everything like that the conversation but at this point it wasn't like it like the seriousness like everybody like realized yo hey we really just lost biggie and tupac within two years of each other like Yo, not even no, not much. even two years of each not even two years of each other because Pac, uh, Pac died in 96 yeah and, and Big died in 97 yeah so yeah. not even a year yeah let's see Big died in March of 97 and Pac died in June of 96 so yeah not even so, a year not, yeah within a year of each other yeah but um, yeah, like although we all have we all have our beliefs as to who killed Pac and who killed Biggie, um, Suge should kill both of them. I don't know about both of them. I definitely think Suge had something to do. I don't know if you Suge guys killed Pac and Puffy killed Big. No, Puffy <laughs> was Puffy. Puffy ain't got it in him. 
if, if anybody, every if, everything that that Puffy put out after Big died was from Big. I mean, Big wrote every bit of that. I mean, that I, I say Jay Z, maybe. Oh, I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah. No, no, I don't know. But see, the, the whole thing with Suge and Tupac makes the most sense to me. Like, I mean, I think there, there's still some. I, I think that the the biggie ones are a little bit too far fetched, but I, I I firmly believe Suge Knight had something to do with Tupac's death. My that, thing that is, me, you know, my thing is Tupac was killed in uh, in Las Vegas on the strip where there's hundreds of millions of cameras, and nobody they couldn't find the killers. Yeah, they literally could find somebody from like some random. Uh, description sketch back in the day like in a day to find that killer but they can't find literally the car or anything that was used or who it belonged to or anything like that for for tupac and biggie right uh, and the fact that he was cremated the die af- day after he died like there, you you don't want to get me into the the tupac conspiracy i mean the fact that he was supposed to drive and then should said nah i'm driving right or, or the fact that the uh basically he predicted the way he was gonna die and like the whole uh i ain't mad at your music video is how he died pretty much yeah but like the yeah. thing is though like that's that gangster drive-by thing like that one to me i'm like i can sort of see where that is but like i mean it's still the, it's like that's how gangsters died like growing up but i think that's what his him going back to like the way he grew up like what he saw growing up and stuff like that right. but i also think that it caught a lot of traction in the hip-hop community with the whole thing about because i remember i don't know if, i don't know if you guys i mean obviously we're all fans of battle rap here but do you remember the uh the av uh geechee Gotti battle from traffic yeah yeah geechee said a bar in there that was like you remind me of tupac though not because of your bars or the way the hood feel you I mean, we've seen you throw punches on Cam, but we still think Suge killed you in reference to him losing to Shotgun Suge, but also in reference into Suge killed Tupac, you know? So, uh, and even, I mean, that got a big reaction. But I do think that, you know, it's at that point that you think, damn, maybe Suge did have something to do with, you know, because everybody everybody believes that. Well, there was also a situation where. Pac was wanting to leave uh, Death Row, start his own label, and things of that nature, you know? Um, Which, for whatever reason, Suge didn't have a problem with Dre doing what he did, creating Aftermath. Suge had no... Suge really had no choice in that. Yeah. But, no, um... What do I want to say? I mean, this album... This album is not... Be uh, Big's best one um, at all, uh, but it's because of all the situation that made it what it was. Yeah, uh, like the circumstances, the death, uh, like you know, everybody just realizing, you know, we just lost these two hip hop icons and everything like that. Because um, obviously, uh, to me, Ready to Die is the better one, anyways. Um, right. So would you say yeah. this is? I mean, I'm not trying to pun here, but I mean, would you say this album is the most notorious album that he has? Notorious album? Well, duh, because it's it's the the one of his death, pretty much. And and a lot of the, the weird thing about Biggie and Tupac is they had a lot of the same style, where they both 
did talk about being killed and everything like that. I mean, both of Biggie's albums, Ready to Die, um, and uh, Life After Death, and then the song, like the album they made in '99 with Biggie and Tupac was Born Again. Like that's really weird, right? Uh, yeah, like, but no, like after uh, when. Like you were talking about, Tupac was talking about showing his death and stuff like that. Then he he was reborn as Machiavelli when he went to prison. And he started doing that. That's when he started talking about more of like his death too, like more and more. Like it's just like they both knew what was coming, sort of. Right. Um, right. And on the uh, Machiavelli album, I know we're talking about Big, but this is a huge part of it too. Um, there's a song i don't say it's like the opening song where you can actually if you slow it down and listen to it it really sounds like Pac is like saying suge shot me right uh you know what i'm talking about raj um i know there's something about that i i, I couldn't remember which album it was it was on the Machiavelli album, which which is also funny because that also leads into the, into the conspiracy that Pac isn't dead. Um, but he's because, in Cuba. <laughs> right. Well, because how would he be able to record Suge Shot Me if he was dead? Yeah. Right. You know, so, I mean, it's just a conspiracy thing, but it, it's one of those ones that people have gravitated towards and... Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, but that's like any conspiracy with anybody who's a celebrity and has been and was prominent. I mean, people have said for years that Elvis Presley was still alive. There were people people said that you know Hitler, you know, didn't commit suicide. You know, he 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 still he he, he hid somewhere in Poland or something. You know, like Argentina. in Antarctica, Antarctica, Antarctica or whatever. You know, there was so many. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, hell, I've even heard you know conspiracy theories that Michael Jackson isn't really dead. You know, so it's like. You know, it's it's one of the things like unless you can show me like definitive proof that someone isn't dead, like you know, like I'd be willing to believe dead, that you know Tupac is alive quicker than uh Michael Elvis. Jackson being alive. Right. All right, yeah. I mean we can go into the music industry conspiracy theories and anything, but let's move on to the next album. Yes. Uh, um, go ahead, uh, Talon, if you want to. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the album that sold 11.2 million copies. Another double album, Outcast, Speaker Box, slash The Love Below. Um, yeah, I think this album, I mean, two different, I mean, the same, same artist, same group, two completely different styles. Um, my honest opinion, like, I mean, I, it's not my favorite Outcast album, um, but it, it's different from the standpoint that where you got Speaker Box, which is more hip hop, and then you have The Love Below, which is more of an R and B type feel. You know what I mean? Um, I'd say that Speaker Box is more of a rap album, and Love Below is more of a hip hop album. Okay, we'll go with that. I get that because Big Boy, Big Boy is rap. Like he, he is a street rapper. Like he, that's what his style is. You know, the bling, the jewelry, the drugs, everything like that. Right. But Andre, Andre's lyricism and like storytelling 
has that hip hop, you know, like, you know, the styles of like Common and Nas and stuff like that. They tell stories with the lyrics and everything, but they would still have that hip hop, you know, sound to it, beat and like, you know, setup and stuff like that. So you would tell it would tell you a story, give you a hook or a bridge or something like that, then tell you a story, another part of the story. Um, but Big Boy's like he is like rap, like that's what he is, and that's what is so good about Outkast is that they're both it's two guys, two different styles that meshed perfectly together. So, so you would say that Andre's the better lyricist, but Big Boy's the better rapper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I can get behind that that theory. Okay. Yeah. To me, right. uh, I mean. Like, even nowadays, when Big Boy drops an album, I'll still listen to Big Boy stuff here and there. Like, um, all his songs aren't, you know, all, wow, like, yo, ooh, amazing. Like, yo, yes, yes, stuff like that. Bars. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, he has that he has that rhythm to it. Like, um, well, his last, the, I always get the name of the album weirdly mixed up. It's like, uh, Lucius Left Foot, the son of Chico Dust. Uh, Dusty, I think it's the name of the album. Um, it's I know it's a weird name of the album. I got I'm gonna look it up real quick so I can get it correct. Uh, but that one, like, it's like a real rap album. Like that one, that one's more of like a soul hip hop rap kind of. Talking, wait, are you talking about Sir Lucius Left Foot, the son of Chico Dusty? Yes, that one. Yeah, it, it dropped in 2010. Yeah. yeah, that one right there. Um, that one, like, it, I like the album. I really do, but like, none of the songs like just stand out. Or have that like I gotta go back to it all the time and listen to kind of thing. Um, well, unfortunately, right. with uh, Andre 3000, he the only uh, only solo album he technically dropped was a Love Below. So, and I love a lot of the songs on that one. Right. Which, at, but but also at the time, I mean, because you know this was around what year was all this? This was what did this album dropped. Yeah, what year did the album? 2003. 2003, right. Yeah. Um, but you also, but you also have to think that Big Boy was also um, getting involved in a lot of acting, you know, because he, you know, he did, uh, he did, the, he did the movie ATL. Um, he in the 2006, right afterwards. That's a um, damn good movie. Yeah, it is a good movie. He was in the comedy Who's Your Caddy, which I find I thought that movie was fucking trash. Bullshit. That movie was funnier than hell. That's the same level as Cookout. Uh, what Cookout, Soul Plane, all them. Yeah, that that's that era of black movies, dude. That movie was funnier than shit. I don't care. I my, my, not. I, it ain't one of my personal favorite movies, but I love that movie. I thought the movie was hilarious. I mean, it, like I, I like Cookout, but I know it's trash. <laughs> like hey, just because he was, he like was in the Cookout too, he played Peanut in the Cookout too. They made a second one really wow that's yeah he did uh yeah but you know i i mean first time i seen first time i seen him um actually the first time i seen um him because at the time i hadn't seen atl or who's your caddy i didn't see that move the moves until like much much later um 2008 he was on an episode of law and order svu uh he was gots money um and then he you know he got carol baskin in the movie in the in the in the in the uh episode but um anyway um at least that's what they say <laughs> but but no nah, i mean this but as far as the albums go 
I think the song I think the song that he's most known for for this particular album is The Way You Move featuring Sleepy Brown. Cause it, it was it started off with that 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 simple hi hat uh you know that that and then it's like that boom boom like almost almost like it's anticipation anticipation and then it was almost like it had this it had this funk to it you know it was almost like a uh you know like especially when the chorus hit when when sleepy brown was talking it reminded me somewhat of like an 80s funk track in a sense did you get that feel i mean yeah it's got that look like that soul rhythm but that's what um outcast had they always had some soul some funk in their stuff right yeah but then you also had you know you had songs like war uh bus with killer mike which killer mike don't hardly get nearly enough credit bus, for being bus is probably my favorite song actually on that album on right. the speaker box section yeah i like that one but i also like last call with uh with uh slim calhoun and little john Eastside boys uh slim calhoun <laughs> <laughs> whatever happened to slim calhoun uh i don't know i don't know either <laughs> he fell off the but map but no uh the way you move is the only song on speaker box that is a full outcast song um and together in the double album there's like two songs that have both of them actually on it um right. the other one being um roses right well the ghetto music was also which which andre produced uh the album the song ghetto music yeah, but he didn't rap on it yeah, he didn't rap on it, but I mean, he, you know, there there was some element of Andre on the uh, on Andre the song. produced almost both. He produced both of them. He's yeah, he, he produced uh, Speaker Box and Love Below. But on this thing, what I'm seeing is that it, he was given a specific credit for the song. I guess it was, you know, in the liner notes or whatever. I don't know. Um, Which song? I'm sorry. Uh, it was actually two songs: Ghetto Music and uh, Last Call with Slim Calhoun. He's on, he's on Ghetto Call. He's on yeah. uh, ghetto music. Yeah, and um, church. Church was another one. Or church. Um, he's on yeah. Last call. Um, and then obviously on his side, he produced a lot of it too. Yeah, I think he produced most of it actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We talking about uh, love below big, big boy or uh, Dre? Uh, Dre producer. Dre. Yeah. 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 He. Uh. This was about the time that he was. Um kind of stepping away there was they did one album after this one um but this is really about the time he was starting to step away and focus a little more on producing and uh big boy was starting to step away and focus a little more on acting right yeah uh yeah now now big boy did drop four solo albums um whereas uh 3k has yet to produce yet to anything. drop a solo album aside from um the love below and like i'm so like if he ever ever does i believe that will go diamond immediately because everybody's been waiting oh, on almost it. everybody's been waiting on that forever hey well i got a quick question yes. yeah what's up so i was listening to uh the breakfast club the other morning um i'm sorry I say what now? I said, mm, I'm sorry. Well, you don't like it? I, I don't. He don't like Charlemagne. What? Yeah. All right, continue. <laughs> he, 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 anyway, so, so, so what, what, this, what I'm going to talk about is going to talk about Charlemagne. Uh, Jordan Lucas was on the, uh, was on the, was on the uh, episode and he was talking about like, you know, 
he the, the top his top 10 favorite rappers of all time or whatever okay. and he said the typical ones that you guys would hear eminem jay-z Nas, biggie Pac, you know those he had said andre 3000 uh and charlemagne had said he can't be in the conversation of the best of all time because yeah. he I don't because, care not. say what now like it, the, you drop it, you have it in an album does not signify you as being a great rapper. So 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 why did why did Charlemagne say that that three K can't be in the list? He can't be in the running for for greatest lyricist. And and it, and, and this is my this is what I heard him say. And I can find the I can find the uh, the video and send it to you guys. But apparently he felt like he he's disqualified because he was in a group. Because him and Big Boy are it, the it's the group outcast. If you want to say the outcast is one of the greatest hip hop groups of all time, then okay. But so okay, by that logic, would that disqualify uh Red Man, Method Man? They they was in a group. They was right. That means it discounts Ice Cube, Dre, Easy, you know. Hell, fucking Biggie was in Junior Mafia. Does that does that disqualify him? I mean, he totally wasn't Junior Mafia because they needed a star power name in it. Well, I mean, well, hell, dude. I mean, hell, even new get new edition got Johnny Gill. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they do underground had Tupac, so right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like his his the, the logic was so flawed that I'm like, I got I got to ask this question. Like, you know, no, it's that's stupid because I mean, it's not like they are rapping the same parts. They're rapping their own verses, right? Andre three thousand, his verses tell stories every single time. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, kind of like, I mean, because, I mean, when you look at the love below, you know, and, and then fucking Charlemagne's uh, response to this was, give me one quotable uh, uh, Andre verse besides anything he said in Hey Ya. I'm like. Uh, his, ve- my, his best verse is probably on uh, Royal Flush, which is a big boy album. Right. The one with Ray Kwan. Yeah. That's probably you know? one of my, that's probably one of my favorite like verses in hip hop ever. Right, like, it's just so good. Right. Oh my god. Also, I, um, I just, the I Walk just, It Out I just, remix. I just I, I just thought it was strange to how you can't put somebody that would be like, and I'm not gonna put, put I'm not gonna put it on wrestling, but that's like saying Shawn Michaels isn't considered one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time because him and Marty Jannetty were the Rockers, like. Or to be part of DX. Yeah. Like, like I just thought that was a f- weird logic. I wanted to get y'all's take on it. I mean, you can be in a group and still be like your own person. Like, that's a thing. Right. Like, you're, you're a group because you guys work well together. Your styles blend together, but you're still part one and he, they're part two. Like, that's how you make it work. Right. I don't know. I just I just thought the logic was strange, so that's why I wanted to bring it. it, it I would say it is a flawed logic, right? I, I, I remember this was like 10, 15 years ago. Um, it's, so it's very like iffy on my mind. Um, I can't remember who was doing it exactly, but somebody was doing a top, top ten, top fifteen, um, best rappers, um, period. Um, and this was at the height of Lil Wayne. So Lil Wayne was like number two or something like, like three or two or something like that when he was dropping like 105 mixtapes a day. Um, oh, really? 
um, it was it was before that. Um, oh, before it, Amelia. Okay. Yeah, that's the Carter four. He was dropping a bunch. He Carter two or three was that era of, of mixtapes for him. Um, right. But uh, like somebody actually was going to like somebody on the panel actually had to put Andre 3000 as number one. And everybody's like, what? Number one. Like he hasn't even released a solo album. And the dude's argument was like, that doesn't matter. Anytime Andre 3000 raps, doesn't matter what it is. People listen and people remember and people like like that's the thing like just because you don't have a solo album or just because you're in a group does not mean you're not great exactly like, like, like we were saying like we're saying it Andre 3000 right now did like a secret release of an album by tomorrow that thing would be the most listened to thing in history oh yeah it, it, it would it would overshoot Drake by like at least two three million yes like it's there's no like if answer or buts about it like everybody it doesn't matter if you're a fan of him or not you want to hear what it is what it sounds like what it is what it's going to be and for his fans like we've been waiting we're going to listen to it regardless of what it is it yeah, could be exactly i i think if if 3k was to drop an album within the first week it would probably rival uh eminem sales yeah, oh yeah like, absolutely like, it'd, be, it'd be ridiculous like it would it, like that like that man has like this ability like he like anticipation on him dropping anything and then when he does like come out every now and then like i remember a news article from like two or three years ago saying that andre the other one spotted playing violin walking through the streets like that's newsworthy because nobody ever sees him like he doesn't do anything anymore like he's just in the shadows and then when he does do something everybody wants to know what he's doing right Exactly. He has that presence. Last time he did anything music wise, let me double check me check myself. But I want to say the Jimi Hendrix movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did the he did the fucking uh, yeah, the Hendrix movie. Holy shit! You could look just like a person to play that role though. He looks just like him. They have the same mole. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's so good because he has Jimi Hendrix like reincarnation. That's the. Uh, it must be some kind of way out of here. <laughs> Which is by the way, child. That, that say what now? So play that voodoo child. No, that's not voodoo child. That's along the watch. <laughs> that's a, that's along the watchtower, man. That's my personal opinion. That's my favorite Jimi Hendrix song, right there along the watchtower. That's my favorite Jimi Hendrix song. It's hard for me to say my favorite. It, uh, Why is it hard for you to say your favorite? Because it's just too many good out, too many good yeah, songs. Sure. They're just too many good, like, and I like if I think of one and I'm like, oh, but this one does this, like, it's like that kind of thing where I'm like, oh, but I like this one, uh, but this one, uh, yeah, yeah. but I mean, I mean, really, when you think of Jimmy Hendrix, you think of Purple Haze, you think of fucking Hey Joe, you think of um, Voodoo Child, Child, obviously, which I think a lot of people just remember Voodoo Child because Hogan used it, uh, in WCW, right? No, for life, anyway. That's all I can do before I have to cut a check to his estate. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, the last thing that 3K did uh, music-wise was in 2019. Uh, he features a get as a guest on a verse by James Blake on the song "Where's the Catch," and uh, he did. I. I just... uh, I didn't even know about that. I remember the last thing doing was that um, secret release on Mother's Day where he dropped that uh, two songs. 
Yeah. He was also on uh, Anderson Pox, uh album Ventura. Yeah. He did a feature on that. Uh, but then in film, it was 2018. He was in a movie. It was a science fiction horror film called High Life. Hmm. So, I mean, it's been three two two to three years since he's really done anything yeah and that's that's where the mystique comes from yeah i remember him being probably my favorite movie it's not and it's not just it's not just one of my favorite uh it's not just my favorite movie with him and it. it's one of my favorite movies of all time it's the, it's the movie four brothers uh him mark Wahlberg, tyrese um you know but yeah i mean it was that i mean he put on a Hell of a performance in that movie. Apparently, he's on a TV show on AMC called Dispatches from Elsewhere. Huh. He's the lead. Interesting. Oh, wow. I did not know about that. He released March 1st, 2020 on AMC. Um, Starring him and Jason Siegel. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm about to peak that. Yep. All right. Uh, But. like Audrey Jarrett is so good in whatever he does, even when it's like a bad, like a crappy movie, he still makes it entertaining enough. Uh, I mean, he was in Scary Movie Four, which is trash, and in Semi Pro, which is Sugar Dunkerton. <laughs> right? <laughs> Shout out to you, Sug. Um, now, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Will Ferrell, but I do enjoy the movie Semi Pro. I thought, I thought Semi Pro was pretty funny. I, I, hot take. I despise Will Ferrell. He's just a big, loud guy, and that's not funny. You just blew Talon's mind. No, because I, I, I kind of. No, no, it's all good. Because I mean, that's not a hill I prepare. I prepare to die on. I mean, I'm not one way or other or another about him. You know. I here's a hot take. I think Will Ferrell's greatest movie was a movie called Science Fiction. Yeah, and it wasn't a comedy. Is it a Stranger to Fiction? Yeah, Stranger, Stranger to Fiction. Fiction. Yeah, where he yeah. basically a woman is basically uh, narrating his life, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Although I think I mean if I mean I think he has a, an iconic movie in Elf, you know. But I, I mean he, he definitely has a niche audience. But yeah, definitely a niche audience. It. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, he's a crappy version of Chris Farrell. Or Chris Farley, I mean. This man said Chris Farrell. Good yeah, lord. And you want to take us into number one, Roger? No, I do not. Uh, okay, number okay. one uh, is uh, Eminem with the Marshall Mathers LP at 11.3 million copies. Uh, now, we do want to preface this whole list um, these are still as of 2020 the only 10 diamond selling hip hop albums uh, but the the numbers the millions of copies um, have changed this list was uh, created in 2018 but um, we, did, we did look and still to this day these are the only 10 even up yeah. to 2021 Right, so sorry, Drake. <laughs> it's still it, like it still baffles me that he has so many. Like it's, but then again, we're in the era of not really buying physical copies, so 
that's why he has so many diamond songs and so high like multi-platinum songs i guess right because people don't buy albums yeah. anymore, they just buy the songs yeah exactly i mean unless they're buying a vinyl record you know the vinyl album but i mean you don't it, it's all digital it's all through streaming now you know through spotify or amazon music um so you know the um the metrics are handled differently right and also um also a little asterisk on some of these um since they're double albums um their initial sales were not exactly like 10 million or something but since they're double albums it counts as two so everything's some of them are multiplied so it's kind of weird on that too yes which means that which means if it's in the you know double digit millions it may just not be in the double digit millions it could just be you know but right yeah. like like for for example Tupac's greatest hits only sold five and a half million but since it's a double album they counted it as 11 million right yeah because one sale equals two copies technically sold right yeah all right, all right but let's jump into this album because this is I think we can all agree this album at the time that it came out was very, very controversial for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, yes and no. I think it yeah. it's controversial because of some of the subject matter, yes, but yes. It, also, it was also different and from the voice it was coming from, uh, like the person it was coming from. It, it, it caught everybody off guard. Um, definitely better than his first actual album. Um, I can't remember the name of that actual album. You talking about Infinite? Yeah. Yeah. Or the... I'm Shady so, Yeah. No, so this is actually the third album from Eminem, uh, Eminem Slim Shady, Martial Matters, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Uh, the first one was Infinite. The second was the Slim Shady LP. This one is Martial Matters LP. And then, uh, and then we you, know... Then you had the, the, the Eminem, Eminem show, show on Encore, Encore, Curtain Call. Uh... Relapse, uh, relapse, yeah. No relapse, recovery, recovery didn't relapse, yeah. Yeah, recovery, relapse. Was it? Yes. Yes. I thought, I thought relapse came before recovery. No. Uh, you can't relapse before you recover. That was the whole premise behind that. Yeah, like he had a like his titles were a specific way for that. Uh, let's see, recovery is twenty ten. And relapse was 2009, so yeah. Okay, so it was relapse, then recovery. Okay. Yeah, isn't that what we said? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just repeating. No, no, no I was just making sure that I didn't say that backwards. Yeah, I'll make it, I was thinking it too. I was making sure I didn't say this shit backwards either. And then from there... Was it... No, that's too long of a distance. No, Marshall Mathers Marshall would be two. Yeah, then Revival. That's the other one. I couldn't remember what the other R one was. Was Revival? Yeah, Revival Kamikaze Music to be Murdered by. And then um, the 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 one he just released was uh, Music to be Murdered by Two. Oh, uh, Music to be Murdered by B sides. B sides. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which they all put that under the same umbrella. And then plus he also had the two D twelve albums, and he had the Bad Meets Evil album held a sequel in 2011 and the eight mile thing the eight mile soundtrack the south paul soundtrack shady xv uh yeah he also did the damn um 
He also the did the, uh, the re-up album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we got all those Eminem ones out of the way. But yes, number three yeah. is his, the number one Diamond um, song, uh, Marshall Mathers LP, released May 23rd in 2000. Uh, and there's a lot of great songs on this one. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to kill you. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's actually one of my, that, that, a lot of the songs are my favorite. So I'm going to say that, but like, um, I mean, this is 2000. This was May of 2000. I wasn't even technically eight yet. <laughs> this was the album that you hid from your parents. You didn't really want them to know you was listening to it. Uh, that's why I said TRL from four to four thirty. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, probably the song that, which God, there's three songs on the album that, well, let me take that back. There's three songs on the album that people actually did enjoy. Okay. There was I, one I, very, I very, more. very controversial. Well, hear me out. And I'm talking talk about in terms of like singles, because okay, obviously, st- let's talk about it first. Stan. Everybody enjoyed the song Stan. Um, you know, Dido, you know, did the song uh, Thank You, and he basically sampled that song and actually even just said, Hey, would you mind, you know, just re-singing, you know, part of the verse or whatever that it was and you know like what chip was talking about storytelling you know there was a storytelling aspect to the song stan which was later revisited in the marshall mathers lp2 um you know so it you know listen to it you'll understand um but yeah all about you know an obsessed fan you know um definitely one that in, in terms of storytelling one that's definitely you know up there as far as you know the storytelling aspect I mean, uh, almost all the, uh, on this album, almost all his songs told us story, like yeah, actual story. Um, but yeah, um, Stan definitely told like most people really do when they think of Eminem. This is one of the songs they always like refer to and everything like that. Um, the obsessive fan and everything like that um, tells that story in a really weird, like weird, a beautifully weird kind of way, I guess. Um, like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a bittersweet kind of song. It, it, like, I guess is the way I'm trying to say it. But yeah, it's a cautionary tale. Yeah, a precautionary tale. But um, I mean, it, it does tell a great story. And like, just telling this perspective of the fan in the last verse, the perspective of him finally getting the letters and being able to respond back and everything. And then, you know, at the very end where like he's like you know like the like it dawns on him about the name of the guy that killed his pregnant one, a girlfriend and everything like that you know like just the way he starts the song and it's like one beautiful story in one song but it's a really dark song right yeah yeah um and then there was but, the way i am well you're doing these in backwards order from releases <laughs> no i'm going by the track listing well, I'm saying like uh, I'm talking about like single release. Oh, okay. Yeah, because the real Slim Shady was the first one, like, and everybody knows that one where it's him and a bunch of his looks look alike, so everything like that, where everybody wanted to do the bleach hair. Um, and I mean, it's a good, it's a good fun song. Um, I I can see why it was his first single release for the album right before the album came out. Um, the video is very funny, entertaining, but the song is still, you know, it still it still tells us a good story about him being the real like obviously the real some shady other people imitating him you know people trying to be like him and everything like that trying to like mimic him 
and like you know he like no don't do that like i want to um it's me this is me this is who i am right like, there's only one me like be yourself this is one me um nothing for you guys <laughs> no 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 i mean i was waiting on chip i was waiting on yeah. chip. Fuck, i already said what i already said too much already <laughs> no i mean i'm i'm right there with you it's it it's it's one of those like songs where the the story is there but it's a story that's all too familiar not just with like music you know like actors and actresses have these stands as they're called now i mean used to prior to this song the they were just called stalkers yeah they're called stands yeah uh you know, so I mean, actors, actresses, um, even um, Arthur's, uh, to a lesser degree, uh, pro wrestlers, yep, uh, baseball players, football players. I mean, you know, uh, so but it's 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 truly a a tragedy in in musical form, so. Right. Um, and then the second single was the one you're about to talk to, the way I am. Yeah. Uh, to me, to me, it's probably my like overall my favorite Eminem song. Hmm. Uh, like he was, he, this was him not being some shady. This was him not being Eminem. This was him being Marshall. Right. A hundred percent raw honesty. Uh, you know. If you don't like him, who how he is or what he's saying and stuff like that, he doesn't care, you know. Yeah, uh, isn't this the song they censored where he he spit the verse? I take seven kids from Columbine, stand them all in line. No, and an AK forty seven, a revolver, a nine. No, that, that was just, no, that was the song. I'm back. That's when he yeah. said that. He okay. does reference Columbine in the song where it says, "Uh, the ring of the thumb is the one you put up when you don't give a fuck for when you won't just put up." With the yeah. bullshit they pull, because they're full of shit too. When two dudes get bullied and shoot up a school, they blame it on Maryland. That's right. The heroin That's right. Where parents at. Yeah. 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 It was. Yeah. It, it, you're right. It, it's. I'm back. That. Uh, yeah. He, he yeah. spit that verse because they censored it. Because they censored out. They censored out Columbine, and then it wasn't until Rap God came out later on where he you know brought it back you know which marshall mathers lp2 he brings a lot of shit back from this album it's literally a sequel like you have artists that'll do like lil wayne he does carter like one two three four five three hundred and thirty seven right but but there's no continuity between the albums right and this this was so from this album to the Mathers LP two, they, it was like super continuity. Uh, yeah, and, I mean absolutely. But um, back to this, uh, the way I am, <laughs> um, like in the very first verse, like he just like the way he like the first verse, I sit back with a pack of zigzags and it, this bag zigzags zannies uh, for y'all that don't. Well, you guys are the generation of pill pumping anyway, so y'all would know. Um, not me, not me. You didn't know what you know about zigzags. Oh, I know about zigzags, not pill pumping. 
Fuck that oh, shit. Nah, oh, yeah, when, nah. When he, when, no, no, because when he says, I sit back with this bag of zigzags and the bag of this weed that gives me the shit needed to be the most evil MC, zigzags sure. is talking about rolling papers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. that's what they call that's what they call zanies now. No, I just no, no, call no, them zanies. Yeah, no. Uh, back in the day, you used to be able to walk into like any gas station and you could buy a, a pack of zigzags, and it was rolling papers to roll. Uh, like most people use them to roll like weed. You roll a joint, but a lot of people use them to roll just regular old cigarettes too. I don't even think you can get that anymore. So yeah, you can. They're, they're very few and far between, but you can still get zigzags. You can get flavored zigzags now. They're black mild now, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Black but, mild yeah. jazz with a wood tip. But um, in this first verse, he says, uh, "All this tension dispensing these sentences, getting distressed that's been eating me recently off this chest, and I rest again peacefully. But at least have to be seeing you to leave me alone when you freak see me out." the streets when i interfere my daughter do not come to speak to me which people like i don't understand why people think they have this entitlement to oh i like this guy's whatever his product his art whatever he's doing so that means i can go and violate his personal space or his time or whatever because i liked what he did right and what he's talking about um he says, "Other only you a thing. I'm not Mister Interesting. Uh, I don't care what your friends think. Uh, and you've tapped my tip. Really, bro? Are you gonna jump on my mouse? Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's how the lyrics go, bro. <laughs> my cat literally just decided to jump underneath the mic and then hit my mouse. Uh, but like, he's just talking about like, literally, like people at this point were just harassing him. They were not letting him be. Um, and then they would get upset if he was like." quote unquote being a prick because he wouldn't like acknowledge them or give them time a day or anything when they were like literally violating his personal time and personal space um i mean yes celebrities um uh, you know you they're famous they get this attention or anything like that but they're still people like that's why i hate paparazzi man that's why i fucking hate i can't stand people like that they're like their whole job is just follow celebrities around with fucking cameras and yeah and there there are some celebrities that like buy into it and fucking like talk to him or whatever there's some celebrities you know everybody has a bad day every everybody is just i had a bad day today at work you know had a bad day you know i vented i'm happy i'm good let's keep going you know but none of that shit was caught on fucking video camera for posterity for the world to see you know so being a celebrity you would think that they're under more scrutiny than any other person simply based on the fact that a celebrity can walk out of their house, sneeze a funny way, and that video was on YouTube or some TMZ website, and next you know that shit blows up. is like, look at the funny, like, uh-oh, this person sneezes really funky, like, you know, or some dumb shit, you know. It's almost like, do you not have anything better to do with your fucking life than to record a celebrity or follow a celebrity around and stalk these motherfuckers? Like, really? <laughs> no, I mean, that's what they get paid to do. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't know about I me. Mean, just record celebrities just doing mundane things. Like, hey, look, they're just like us. Yeah, that's why they get paid fucking millions of dollars to make movies while we're sitting here struggling paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, we're just alike. Yeah, fuck you. I mean, at the basis, we are. We're all people. 
I mean, they just do something better than we do, which is acting at the time. Right. But no, like it, it, more and more into the verses and everything he's talking about, you know, how he got he literally his last verses. I'm so sick and tired of being admired that I wish I would just die or get fired uh, and drop from my label. The sovereign label will not be able to top on my name is and pigeonhole to his poppy sensation. They got me rotation at rock and roll stations like at like he literally like he's the raw anger like him just being surreal about everything like he just got tired of doing it all like it he got thrusted into this fame and everything like that he wasn't in a good place of mentally and everything like that and like it was just right. a lot <laughs> like and he was tired of people just not giving him personal space like like it is when he said like if you see me out eating or feeding my daughter like like people like really this man can't feed his daughter without you literally coming up and disturbing him like I, I couldn't imagine myself if I'm out with my kids or whatever and we're just out eating and you know I'm trying to feed the baby or whatever and then somebody comes up and like asks for a picture or something like that like bruh do you not see what I'm doing right now yeah that's yeah it's, it's great and there was one close to the end of the third verse where he's like I'm thankful for every fan that I get but I can't take a shit in the bathroom without someone standing by um no I won't sign your autograph you no I won't sign your autograph you can call me an asshole I'm glad like yeah, like he's yeah. so fed up with it at this point right you know it, 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 there's a there's a there's a line that, that you just don't cross you know there's a line because then you're going into that stalker territory you know where you know then you got the ones who are like really obsessive the ones that are like sending people like shit in the mail and calling them up because they got their phone number and stan. like yeah like a bit like like even worse than stan like like i remember like i listened to this uh i listened to this podcast called rooster teeth podcast and um one of the guys who uh one of the guys uh, his name is gavin he uh, he also does slow-mo guys as well um an obsessed fan of his girlfriend uh his girlfriend's with a uh, a cosplay model by the name of uh meg tunney she was getting stalked by this guy who literally drove to the to their house with a gun ready to kill gavin so that he can be with meg like people are meg. fucking crazy you know like i mean eventually police got there in like four minutes dude shot at the police police killed him you know so that was over um and it's like, man, you were willing to die for someone who didn't even know the, who the fuck you are. You're like, damn. You know, that was just, it's crazy that there are people who are that obsessed. And now you guys speak. I already started saying <laughs> what I said to begin. Like, I already did my piece. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, shit, you hit it nail on the head. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, what else there is to say oh oh but, oh, but go ahead no go ahead because i think i know where you're going with it but go ahead i was gonna say like a, a lot of this song a lot of these songs on this i say a lot of these but um three or four of them on like his singles he specifically chose those singles like in that order for a specific reason like the real some shady you know stop imitating me the way i am leave me alone and stand stop being obsessive like he specifically chose those singles for that reason like he was literally trying to tell you guys leave me alone like so so we so we so we just so we just gonna ignore the elephant in the room we're just gonna ignore track 16 no i wasn't ignoring it that 
that's uh, why, so why, why are you ignoring track 14? Why are you ignoring track 10? I didn't ignore track 10. I shouted out track 10. What about 14? <laughs> I like track 13. Huh? You like 13 better than 14? I don't know. There was something about the drug ballad. The drug ballad song reminded me a lot of, it was like a callback to the Slim Shady LP when he had the song Come On Everybody. Yeah. Like it, it was that same kind of, I got that same vibe from both of those songs though. You okay. Know? Um, really all, all 13 was is, you know, hey, have fun doing drugs, you know, when you're a teenager, you know, pretty much. That's what that song was about. Um, it was the bad song you weren't supposed to listen to. Um, but, then I mean he had the bitch please too. Uh, it was basically the re- it was basically a continuation because it had Dre, Snoop, Exhibit, Nate Dog. Like that was a fun one to listen to. Um, that was definitely like one of the party tracks on the on the on the uh, yeah. on the album. But then we get I really like. Go ahead. I was gonna say I really like the song Criminal, the last out, the last song. Right. Uh. It, I I don't know. It, the lyrics are kind of the lyrics are very controversial, though. Oh, the lyrics are huge, hugely controversial. But that's what made made Eminem who he is today. And then when he does controversial lyrics now, they're like, oh, he's just not with the times anymore. Uh, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird. But yeah, I mean, he made a song in very graphic detail about murdering his wife. With Kim. Like, I mean, so, like, just, so, it was, it was darkest. It was definitely one of the darkest songs he has, you know, and, like, I mean, 97 Bonnie and Clyde um, from the Slim Shady LP was kind of similar, but it was more like he was, it was more like it was like a fun song in a sense from like, okay, like, oh, he, he talked about, it's a song about him killing his ex-wife. I mean, who among us who hasn't had a crazy ex-girlfriend or didn't want to kill kill their ex-wife or whatever, you know, but then this song, who like really took it to an extreme. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, I've never had those feelings for an ex-girlfriend or I don't have an ex-wife, but <laughs> Yeah, I don't have an ex-wife. Uh, right. <laughs> I've had some crazy ass ex-girlfriends. I never wanted to kill them, but what the fuck is this? I didn't want to kill her. <laughs> I just wanted her to get the fuck away from me. <laughs> right? Uh, no, I would say like uh, I'm just not like uh, like it, it, to be honest. In relationships before, I was always a toxic asshole, so I was probably the one that they wanted to kill, not the other way around. Right. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm sorry for being a toxic asshole. <laughs> I was young right. and stupid, but it's, no, uh, I've never like had those feelings. Like I have those feelings for a couple of men, but I never towards a woman. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. I think I've, I've never even considered laying my hands on a woman. Um, the thing about it is though, is that I think we've all been very, very angry and pissed to that point where it's like, nope, I'm, I'm going to walk the fuck away or I'm going to break up with this bitch, you know, before shit happens and therefore I'm ruined for the rest of my life, you know? It's like, you don't even want them thoughts to enter into your mind, you know what I mean? Um, you know, it, I, have this, uh, I have this thing naturally, um, being a person of uh, non-white skin, I can't hit any of the people I've dated for the most part because they've also been white. <laughs> 
and that shit will not fly no matter what, especially here in Tennessee. Right. Right. Like, I even push you because if you fall down weird, you have a bruise, I'm going to jail. So, right. No, nah. no, nah, there was an interesting fact about this song, though. Uh, in 2013, Complex uh, ranked Kim at the number 20, uh, 21 spot on their list of the 25 most violent rap songs of all time, and number four on their list of the 35 most depressing rap songs of all time. I mean, okay. I see it. I see it. <laughs> I see it. Yeah. But, but, the, um, but see, I'm my, my my mind. The way my mind works is, I see if that song is number twenty one. What are the other twenty songs? I mean, gotta remember, there's tons of horrorcore music. Oh yeah, oh, I, I mean, I'm a fan of horrorcore, so I mean, I'm de- there's definitely a whole lot more out there. Anything Brother Lynch hung or uh, King Gordy's probably going to be just as violent. Uh, which shit. Ghetto Boys had some violent shit, you know. Um, but, um, but, um, what is everybody's favorite song or songs from this album? Uh, wow. I mean, I already said mine. Uh, the way I am is probably my favorite Eminem song. Period. Right. Um, um, that one. Um, from from this album in general, that one I do like. Stan, um, kill you. Uh, I'm back. Amityville. Uh, so this is probably one of the albums that I can just put on and listen to all the way through. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I skipped some of the skits. Like, I skipped the skits on a lot of albums anyway. Yeah, I mean, the skits, but... King Kniff from Connecticut. <laughs> like, 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 I hate... Like, I am weird, but I hate albums that have skits in them. And I also yeah. hate songs that have skits either at the beginning or, like, any part of it at all has a skit in the song itself, too. I don't mind the skit if it leads into a song that it fits with. Right. But just to have a skit for no reason like I, I don't get I'm pretty sure that was I mean I'm pretty sure that, like the Steve Berman skit where him and Eminem were talking about like you know like this this fucking album is horrible you know why do you think Dre sells so many records he's walk, he's he's, he's talking about bitches big screen TVs blunts and you're rapping about you know sexual frustrations and Viking or whatever he said he's like change the record or it's not coming out which leads to the song the way I am you know so you know, it, it kind of goes hand in, that goes hand in hand. But then you had the whole, you know, Ken Kenneth from Connecticut skit that goes straight into the drug ballad is like, eh, the transition didn't make sense. But I mean, whatever. It was a skit for a skit. He wanted to piss off ICP fans. So it is what it right. is, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, like, like I said, this is, um, uh, we've all probably agreed this is one, like one of his best albums, top to bottom in general. Um, it was the 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 blossoming of M- of Marshall Matters. I mean, uh, right. He got more real in this one than most of his other ones in general. Um, right. Got away from the goofiness, but then he later on he goes back to the goofiness because I mean, you can't always be angry and. 
like murderous and stuff. I mean, you can, but um, not like you. If you do that over and over again, you're not gonna be like. I mean, I guess that's somebody's thing, but you won't last long if you do that over and over again like that. Right. Right. Yeah, he definitely revisited the uh, the goofy shit on the uh, relapse album. Yes, absolutely. Relapse album. Just go find you a white crayon and color a fucking zebra. <laughs> Still my I mean, favorite song lyric that he's I ever mean, written. Like D12, he does goofy stuff with them. Dude, I love, dude, here's the thing, man. People don't give them D12 albums any love as much as they give, like, the Eminem break. Them, them two D12 albums were amazing. Devil's Night and D12 World were both amazing albums. Devil's Night was probably, like, the fifth album I bought. It's probably still one of my most favorite albums in general. Um, there's just so much I like. Like, I just turned top to bottom. That's, that's one of, that's definitely one of the ones that I don't skip a song on. Right. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. But, all right. Yeah. That is it for this episode. Um, man, I mean, we talked about a lot of great albums on here. Um, definitely ones that have definitely stood the test of time, if you will. Um, obviously with the Eminem record and, you know, two Eminem records, actually. Um, you know, you know, Tupac, Biggie, you know, Kid Rock, even though. I consider it new metal. Y'all, you guys can consider it hip hop, whatever. Um, but yeah, um, any final words on like where would you rank these? I mean, do you agree with at least the rankings of? And maybe they're just they just ranking them based on just album sales. But if you could like maybe rank like the top three best albums on here, what would you say? Uh, best albums on this list. Yeah, I mean, because I think because they they ranked them by. Um, number of records sold. They didn't really rate them by like preference or anything. Because because I think it, it does boil down to preference. What I would put at number one, you probably wouldn't, and right. What you would put at number one, Roger probably wouldn't. So, right. Um, I mean, to me, like off just the like just the quickness. Um. Number one for me on this list would be Beastie Boys, License to Ill. Number two, Outkast, Speaker Box, and The Love Below. And then number three would be Eminem, The Marshall Matters LP. Right. For me. Right. Uh, I would say for me, I mean, if you want to say either Eminem album could be interchangeable, because um, I say either Eminem album could be interchangeable, um, if they are going to classify it as a hip-hop record, I'd have to put, you know, no, sorry, Roger. I'd have to put Tupac up there because I was originally going to think about putting Kid Rock at number three, but it, I, I still have trepidations about doing that because I still consider it a new metal rec- record and not a hip hop record. And okay, I would, I, I'd probably put Tupac's Greatest Hits at number three, actually. Really, but only because like it has, it's a collaboration of all of his best work and. You know, change like I love the song changes. Uh, you know, I, you know, this, you know, it, God, but see, that's one of those things, man. It's so difficult to figure out. Like, maybe I put my foot in my mouth by asking the question. Um, I mean, but it's your personal, uh, yeah. your personal opinion. Like for me, I'd have BC Boys at one uh, with License to Ill, Eminem at two with the Mathers LP. Uh, I'd probably actually 
put Nelly at three with Country Grammar. Uh, the Eminem Show at four. And Outkast, uh, Speaker Box Love Below at five. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, this, it's definitely, I mean, 10 albums that, again, what we talked about a minute ago, just stood the test of time. And um, we will certainly see if over the next several years, how many more records will be added to this uh, list, provided, I mean, because music has changed. Music isn't, you know, music isn't like, they don't like do it the way they used to do it back in the day, um, because everything like what we talked about was all digital forms and things like that. Um, How many more million, 10 million unit songs we'll probably have? And we'll see. Um, But... Yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Uh, oh, go ahead. I to say, uh, speaking of another album, like um, Fifty Cent's "Get Rich or Die Trying" is actually slowly creeping up here. I think he still needs. Uh, I think it was less than a million more for that one to be on this list. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he's the next closest to becoming a diamond album with "Get Rich or Die Trying." Yeah, that was a good album. I enjoyed that album. It's his best album. That was his best album. His first and best album. Uh, yeah, mean, some, it, sometimes that's how it is, though. He went downhill for from there. You didn't think that, you didn't think. Uh, shit, what was the, What was the, What was the album after? Wasn't the massacre? It was the one before massacre, or was it the massacre? What? His, his second, second album. album, the massacre. Was it the yeah. massacre? I thought the massacre was his third. Okay. I don't think so. It's gonna blow my mind. I don't know. I mean, he doesn't have that many albums. Get Richard Die Trying, 2003. The Massacre, 2005. Uh, Curtis, 2007. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, okay. Before I Self Destruct, 2009. All right. Because I couldn't remember if it, I thought, for whatever reason, I thought Massacre was the third album. But I, all right. But anyway. Uh, he had uh, In On My Ambition and his still yet to be released, um, Street King Immortal. Right. Shit, man, I'm still waiting on Dre to put out Detox. That didn't never happen. He dropped Compton instead of uh, Detox. <laughs> right. Literally said that uh, after he released Compton, he said, this is my final album. Right. Maybe maybe Detox was just in the works and then they changed the name. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was it. I don't know. But. All right. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, it's getting late, and we all got to get in bed. So, that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Um, anything you guys want to talk about coming down the pike for Movement Radio? Um, I mean, we have obviously if you're listening to this. You're on the Patreon, but absolutely, you know, you know tell your friends, your family. Um, I mean, if you just know somebody who is a fan of hip hop and think they'd be interested in listening to this stuff, you know, let them know about it. Um, uh, stuff like that. We are obviously doing our usual stuff, um, haunting of uh, the, something about sports, um, interviews, everything like that. We're still doing all that stuff. We got more stuff to come out too. Uh, we've got a. Uh, by the time you hear this, obviously, um, may or may have draw, may have or may not have dropped. But uh, we're doing a se- super secret uh, episode with our wives. 
Yes. <laughs> it's a secret. A secret. Yeah. Um, low, low. I wanted this. We're, we're, obviously, it's going to be. We think it's going to be fun. Um, we got to find a way to cheat so we win. Um, but <laughs> uh, no, uh, just stuff like you know. We still putting out content for you guys because you guys are supporting us. Thank, thank you. Um, we have a website. Yes, website movementradio.us, your one-stop shop for all things movement radio. Please go leave us a uh, review. You can rate the show there. Uh, you can go there to buy all of your movement radio merch. Uh, like I said, one-stop shop for all things movement radio. That is movementradio.us. Yes, absolutely. Uh, also, we just recently dropped our uh, Hauntings of Nebraska episode this past uh, upcoming. Uh, we were dropping our interview with A.C. Hutchison uh, this upcoming week. Chattanooga uh, stand-up comic. I've uh, known him for a very, very long time. Really funny guy. Um, and also, uh, while we're on the subject, shout out to uh, Jerry and Jennifer over at the Chronic Conversations podcast. Uh, they just had uh, another Chattanooga comedian, Bridget Martin, on their show. So go check them out. That's a pretty cool episode. Also, shout out to my good friend Sean Thompson over at Thompson Personal Training. I'm down 25 pounds and I feel pretty good. Um, you know, he just beat my ass this past week. So, uh, yeah, I really hate hate leg day but we'll talk about that at a different time leg um, the best day leg day is the best day but it hurt. you can't walk the next day you don't want to hear it uh yeah you're not supposed to, yeah, supposed to right i guess yeah i'm gonna call yeah, yeah I, let me explain it to my job talent why are you in a wheelchair don't worry about it just it, it was leg day oh, okay yeah i get it <laughs> no you don't anyway so thank you guys again so much for tuning into this episode and we will see you next time chip let's hit him with the outro with that being said, please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you check out the YouTube channel, subscribe, and click that bell to get notified of our latest videos. I am Chip Hazard. I am Talon Williams. I'm Roger Sierra. And this is Movement Radio. We out.